The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome back to episode 119 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. My name's Corey. And I'm Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. Nice to be with you. Guys, I'm feeling recharged somewhat. <laughs> as, as recharged as I could hope to be. Last week we had a couple podcasts, but really I had I had almost a week off. I haven't gotten behind the mic since we last recorded episode 118. I'm feeling pretty good about that, man. How you guys doing? Yeah, not too too bad. So I'm pretty stressed out, I guess, with the uh, with the recent house hunt and all that. Things are coming to a crunch. Got to make a decision soon. Waiting on other people is not fun. Anyway, yeah, it's kind of exciting. Obviously, it's exciting at the same time. And looks like spring's right around the corner. It looks like the uh, the weather's outlook is good. So it's all everything's looking on the up and up. Cool, Carlos, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Theoretically, very <laughs> very good. <laughs> Just physically and mentally beaten down but uh hey man take it with a smile hey you know what i think i think i have shoulder tendonitis now this sucks man this really really sucks i I woke up in november and this is like two days after getting a flu shot in my left shoulder two days later it it starts really hurting in that very same spot i was like oh you know sometimes you get a needle it feels like a little you're getting a little bit of a bruise there that's fine i'll give it a couple days couple days pass and nothing changes i'm like oh that sucks maybe i'm just getting old and then you know, a, a week turns into two weeks turns into a month and it still hurts and i'm like oh, this this is really stupid i should probably go see about it but you know being a guy i'm not going to see about it so now we're, we are now into late march i've still not seen anybody about it and it still hurts <laughs> dude you're totally pumping the anti-vaxxers tires here well that you know what the thought entered my head it was like oh my god they're right. The va- the flu vax does do something to you. But no. <laughs> it's not that it's not that at all. I mean, other than the uh, useless mercury that they put into your your system, I mean, I think uh, vaccines are great. Of course they are. There's this the science is spoken. It's done. That debate is over. We can take the anti-vaxxers and the flat earthers and you know, let let them have a little party together. Whatever walking did. no i'm joking i'm I'm on the same page as you definitely just kind of odd guys two months to go until solo just two measly months away take it taken in solo is gonna mean something totally different then (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yep but we we need a trailer we need it we need we need the uh, the full-on trailer i think i saw one on youtube uh, about uh five hours ago didn't i what? Am I wrong about that? What? Eh? I, I, I think we'd be talking about that if there was a, a new solo trailer. Yeah. Okay. Maybe uh, I missed I it. Saw it in my. Uh, Did I miss saw that? Saw it on my feed there. <laughs> I, I will admit to being completely out of the loop this weekend, but um, yeah, no, I, I don't 
know that any solo trailer dropped. If I did, if it did, and we're not talking about it today, then uh, I apologize. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) What I did see this weekend, though, is The Black Panther. Finally. Nice. Fabulous, man. Saw saw the movie? Yeah. Nice. Really, really good. No, he saw The Black Panther, Carlos. The real one. (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) He's delirious, Kyle. You've been taking any Uh-oh. he's taking meds? <laughs> no, I'm not. I should be. That I think that's the issue. <laughs> uh <laughs> oh, no, it was the international trailer that uh yeah, three weeks ago. Never mind. All right. Yeah, and I, you know what, to be honest, I, I'm not sure that there was any difference. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't. That was I just the, the opening was a little different. That's it. Nah, whatever. Now, how do you think this is gonna work now? Like, I mean Another week's gone by. We've been thinking about it. Like, where is this trailer? Where is this trailer? And we haven't heard anything yet. So do you think Do you think it's just going to drop one day? Or do you think we're, it's going to be as per usual? And, you know, you get like the one two-day warning. It's coming on Good Morning America or whatever it is. Or do you think it's just going to be like, holy cow, it just dropped. Like, uh, I don't know that internet. anything can be held secret like that anymore. I, f- I feel like every single trailer has kind of been prefaced or we've been prepped for it like somebody's gonna know that it's coming out and we're gonna find out i'm, I'm pretty sure of that it's it's kind of like the international trailers that actually do have uh, new stuff to it that sneaks up on us but i feel like i feel like uh, yeah i feel like the, the trailers are gonna be pumped on good morning america or well, there's no monday night football anymore but i can't imagine it just surprise that would be nice though wouldn't it It'd be, a, it'd be a bit of a change, but uh, anyway, I want to hear something soon. Like, when, when do you think, like, off the top of you guys head, like, you think in a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe even another month? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even want to venture a guess just because, uh, you know, I, I'm going to look so, I'm gonna look silly because I'm going to be wrong. So I don't want to, I don't even want to venture a guess. I, you know what I know? Of... This is what I know. That we're going to be watching it on May twenty fourth. <laughs> Pretty much, I can go. I can go out on that limb, and say that Corey's going to buy the tickets. Huh? We, we got to keep our eyes open for that, and then you know, get get Corey the link to uh, Cineplex dot com. Well, don't worry, Corey. We'll we'll walk you through this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not going to do it, Carlos. Watch, he's not going to do it. We'll see. Your buddy Matt's not coming. If that's the case. <laughs> I'll do it just for the po- the scene points. I'm gangster like that. The scene points are great. Yeah, they are. I almost bought Infinity War tickets this week just for the scene points. Anyway, so anyway, That's be a blast too. to go watch the movie. <laughs> Black Panther is now the top grossing domestic comic book movie of all time. Yeah, it's insane. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I don't it think was anyone awesome. was expecting that. No. No way. No, no, no way. I think I was expecting to like it. Um, I think of all the things I was expecting, I was expecting to like it less than I did. And uh, I mean, for everything else, you know, it depends how other people reacted to the movie. But uh, I really, really enjoyed the movie. It was really good. It's a, it's a top five MCU movie for me. Top five? Yeah. I, yeah, for me, it's like top three. Yeah, I'm, well, I, you know, I'm trying to just like, when I left the theater, I was like, top three for sure. Top three. 
but I'm, be- I'm better. I'm I'm better than you, Kyle. So I, I, I it, no, it's top two now. Uh oh. <laughs> no, there's just, there's always like that that high, like when you when you first walk out of a theater, like the high, the honeymoon, where you're just like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. I'm I'm just trying to slot it in with the other movies. Like I, it's it's in the mix with Avengers, uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, I really liked Civil War, and just the first Avengers movie. Like it's that it's in that stratosphere for me. It's right near the top. And ra- did I say Ragnarok? Nope. Ragnarok and Guardians. So like that's that's kind of my top seven. Which I you know you're st- now you're starting to talk with like half the MCU there, but really really good stuff. Man, is it good? Go check it out if you've not yet seen it. Although I feel like oh, yeah. maybe I'm close to the last. <laughs> Pretty much, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy I actually went to go see it though, because like, I I went out on a limb and and gave a recommendation. And I hate when people do that to me, and then it's like, oh, you suck, you know? You know, sometimes they <laughs> they tell you, yeah, go watch that movie. You go watch, it and it's like, oh man, what an asshole. Why, oh, sorry. Why did that. you make me do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm happy you liked it. Yeah, no, that was part of my uh, my my birthday package. Wife took me out nice. to uh, to see Black Panther, so we got a little uh, escape from from our domestic terrorists at home, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a nice little dinner after that. So it was a good night. Cool. Good good birthday weekend. Like one of my best in years. Um, but I spent last week, a good chunk of last week, listening to The Last Jedi novelization audiobook. Guys, it is incredible. So, so good. I mean, if you love the movie, you will love the audiobook. It adds just a, a bit more context, a, a little more depth to a whole bunch of scenes. It stuffs in a couple of extra scenes. And the narrator... Well, he misses the mark on all the female voices, which is to be expected. He nails every single male voice. It's it's not even funny. His Luke is uncanny. His Poe has got the swagger. The Finn is on, on the money. Snoke is great, even though it's a bit overmodulated. Kylo is, is money. It's just so good. You got to check that out. And I would I would definitely encourage anybody like this is for people who who like the movie, listen to this novelization. It'll add more to it. And for people who didn't quite like the movie, because you needed more explanation, check this out. This this <laughs> will fill in a lot of gaps. But there you go, guys. You know what? We're we're uh, disturbing the Sith later this week. Yes, we Ooh, are. Yeah, we sure are. And what are we giving away there, fellas? We're giving a six-inch Black Series Jaina Solo. Ooh. So you have a couple days. If you're listening to this, you have you have a, another day or so to get in the mix for that draw. You can just head over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. Go check it out. There's a little video of me there outlining what you get as part of the Powerful Friends program. And it all starts at just two bucks a month. Yeah, you get a bunch of exclusive and uh, early access podcasts and the contests. You're in the mix for all of those. So for just a couple bucks a month, it's well worth it, I think. I hope. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling that this week's Sith Disturbers is going to be a real bond burner. Why is that, Corey? Uh, I think it was was it Mikey's question. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some fun with that. Yep. We definitely Yippers. are going to have some fun with that. So you definitely don't want to miss this week's Sith Disturbers. Now, Corey, I, I've always wanted to ask you this, but regarding our collecting updates... Like, do you in, do you go out and buy stuff just to have something for this bit of the show? This is uncanny, honestly. <laughs> I have this in my notes this week. 
I swear to God, because I felt that guilt. Now, I actually did go out and I'm like, oh, man. And I felt it like and in past weeks, I have to admit, kind of like maybe subconsciously, I was like, got to get a little something here. <laughs> a little anything. I guess it's a little more to rationalize the situation and still kind of buy. So I don't know, you know, like, but I don't go fishing for like things I don't really want. Like I said, like I have my my Funko collection and of robots and then just the black series stuff. But everything's it's null and void out there, man. It's, 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 it's a dark zone. Like I recently started delving back into the Marvel's, uh, Marvel stuff, but you gotta watch it there too. You know what I mean? Like it's just, ugh. it's an ending. It's, it's an ending. And uh, I got to batten down the hatches for a bit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just changed jobs recently. Like we're saving a lot. Like, uh, I- I'm waiting for, for the new lines to come out to be honest, but I did get out there and I, I did have a look around. Like I want to, I start seeing these stuff, uh, on Twitter, you know, and, and local on groups on Facebook about, you know, oh, $5, $5 each for the whole new line, like Tarkin, Lando, Han, uh, the Range Trooper. Like I've seen my Walmart have like serious gaffes like that, like just totally messing up and uh, like it's uncanny. Like they, they just somehow get lost in, in the mix like like that. And I, I've been out there looking, like I said, and I want to see the vintage line hit. It's it's any day now. Well, it's yeah, got to be anyhow. Yeah, well, it's uh, a couple weeks away, two, maybe three weeks away until we get the. Uh, it's mid-April, isn't it, Carlos? Yeah, it's. I think it's. I don't. I honestly, I'm getting like conflicting uh, information from uh, different Lego stores, so I'm gonna have to come back to uh, come back to you with uh, better uh, better information next time. It's it's either April 13th or the 20th. I'm not sure exactly. I heard but, April 16th uh, from Yak Face for uh, um, the six-inch stuff, anyhow. All right. Well, whatever. Yeah. And whatever the date is, it's it's coming soon. So that's only like one or two paychecks for you to put aside any more money. Anyway, so if there's no collecting update, like, Corey, you don't have to, you don't have to feel guilt. If, if you have nothing this week, we can just, we can just plow ahead because I've got nothing. I feel shame. I spent about a I spent about a hundred bucks at the Lego store, two different Lego stores oh, on no. Friday. <laughs> Mainly because uh, they were doling out double VIP points. So You're I like the up. master of, of collecting points. Scene Lego VIP. Yeah, no, but the Babe. Lego VIP is awesome. I, and what I caught, honestly, <laughs> what I did right around Christmas time, um, they were giving. Uh, regular points for all the Star Wars stuff plus a hundred per item, and I picked up nine different items of Star Wars Lego, so I got nine hundred points. Now, if you calculate, that's a hundred. Uh, it's five dollars every hundred. So <laughs> I cashed them pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good value. And, uh, and then I redeemed them when I got the Pose uh, X-wing, and now I'm um, I'm back up over five hundred points. So twenty-five bucks. Off my next purchase, but it's because I know that on May the fourth they're going to be releasing a new UCS set, and I'm not sure which one it is. There's rumors that it might be like a four hundred dollar sand crawler, um, or like a, a two twenty nine, uh, two fifty uh, Cloud City. Oh, my. so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if it's the Cloud City, I won't be getting it. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the UCS like play set type. Uh, type things like you know the Death Star and, and uh, oh I don't yeah Hoth. I don't like the Death Star at all yeah the Hoth also is like it's a bit you know it's kind of weird um, but if it's a ship 
Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Like I said, I got, I got nothing to offer this week, so um, we can jump right on into some uh, some newsy type stuff. A couple quick hits here. You, you wouldn't have seen the, these in the show notes, guys, but uh, I found this. It's a mild spoiler warning for the upcoming solo movie. Uh, so skip ahead maybe, I don't know, a couple minutes, two, three minutes if if you're avoiding absolutely everything to do with Solo. But this, it's not really, this is not plot specific, so uh, fret not. Uh, but this this comes from Reddit, where, <laughs> where all good spoilers come from. And I picked this news up off io9. But um, they had found uh, a toy that's already been on the shelves. And it's of, you know, those those guys on the beach, those really savage looking dudes? Oh, yeah. The Mad Max guys. Yeah. So the leader of that group, who we see in the trailer, he's got that, that big menacing looking mask. Uh, his name is Enfys Nest. Mm. And he's a leader of a gang, a, a gang called the Cloud Riders. Ooh. That, now, that's, and so the story goes that that name is yanked directly from the original line of Star Wars comics, like, like, like the 1977 books. In the same storyline where Jackson the Green Rabbit was was introduced, so I'm sure we're not going to see him. But um, the Cloud Riders, just the gang name itself, is has already it's it's not completely new to Star Wars. But it, again, looking at those guys, that gang of savages, Cloud Riders isn't quite the name I'd associate with that group, is it? You never know. They're whipping around like Hans a racer, right? So maybe these guys are like. Again, like the Mad Max racing type. I know, but Cloud Riders, it sounds, you know, it's not that far off from Skywalker. Yeah, Skywalker. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I don't know, it's not, to, to me, it sounds like a, like a, like an Oldsmobile <laughs> driving on the highway, you know, from <laughs> with the really nice soft shocks, you know, it's like you're riding on a cloud. But was, has there ever been a least threatening brand of car than the Oldsmobile? Laregal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the cutlass oh my god it's so good yeah it was the buick regal right yeah so, i don't know exactly what the, so like Oldsm- the regal like, and- buick was the poor man's cadillac and oldsmobile was the poor man's buick <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness and then there's a, there's an, another one too but let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <but. sighs> <laughs> what Anyway, I think the best thing to take away from this news is I think it was Pablo Hidalgo had said this years ago. I heard him say something along along the lines of everything that's transpired in the past and all the stuff that was either Dark Horse or Marvel or expanded universe literature, all that stuff is still out there. You know what I mean? They could still pick and choose from all those things. And even the things they write and think of in their think tanks, you know, like – Okay, this might not fit necessarily into uh, The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens per se, but let's just put it on the shelf. And everything comes – it comes full circle sometimes, you know what I mean? Like Cloud Riders, ooh, that's cool. Like someone's like, let's use that, you know? So everything's still able to – they're still able to draw from so many facets of uh, expanded universe stuff that so many people complained was actually gone. Yeah, it's nice. it's nice once in a while for them to go and – pull something out of legends and, and bring it back into canon. The problem, I guess if there is a problem with that, it's, it's the expectations that come with it. 
Now, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem here. I don't know that anybody on the face of the planet is is super attached to the old Legends 1977 Cloud Rider group. Like, I would be fascinated. <laughs> I would be absolutely fascinated if somebody throws a fit on online somewhere saying that they, they've sullied the reputation of the original Cloud Riders. I will laugh my ass off. But yeah, that's a, that's a quick little thing there. So Emphis Nest. And then um, another quick thing is EA is developing a new open world Star Wars game. If uh, if we can take their job posting as any type of uh, source. So on the EA webs, <clears throat> excuse me, the EA job posting website, they look like they're, they're outright saying it's for a AAA Star Wars release. And uh, so it looks like EA is getting another kick at the can. Following the, uh, the the Battlefront 2 fiasco with all of the loot boxes and the monetization behind all that. So that's cool, I suppose. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are have, have zero confidence in EA as a game developer for, for numerous reasons. But I just want somebody to put out a good open world Star Wars game. Please. It's enough already. Like, I don't, I just, for my birthday, I also got a, a PS4. So I can resume action on Battlefront 2. But this game might take so long to actually come to market that by the time it's ready, we may all move on to PS5, which will drive me nuts. But like, <laughs> Carlos, you're not a big gamer, are you, Carlos? No, I'm not. I um, I still have a PS2, a slim PS2, uh, but I can't play it on my TV, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have the adapter for HDMI. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I I'm lazy enough as it is. If I get another, f- oh sorry, excuse me. <laughs> if I get another console and it's like, oh man, it's gonna take away so much more time from stuff that I should already be doing. Like so. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Like I, but I, I live vicariously through uh, through my friends who play. So if you guys tell me it's cool, then I'll I'll be happy for you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Corey, what do you want? Do you what do you want from an open world Star Wars game? Like you're talking about like one of those kind of games where you can like go on the internet and like interact with people. Whatever. Like what what is your the perfect Star Wars game for you? I think that would be kind of cool. Like just kind of all all the Commonwealth people like, all right, let's get online at this time, meet at s- such and such a tavern and like shoot the place up or something. Like, I don't know, like do something <laughs> crazy like that. Get some planes after and I don't know, or like form our own resistance, become a splinter cell on our own. So you're totally into the online role-playing stuff. I'm not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've never actually really done it, but I think that does sound like a really cool idea. And I mean, I'm so, I'm, I'm so out of the gaming world. Like, it, it sucks. But definitely, you know me. Like, I would love to, like, I love racing, flying. I think that kind of stuff would be cool. But yeah, open world where kind of like, you know, I guess kind of like Grand Theft Auto, you know, like you can mess around, but you got to be good to get away and... <laughs> Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, I'd love to see that. What I most want is um, a good dogfighting game. That is first and foremost on my list. Or at least having it be a component of a game. And I know it was part of Battlefront 2 a little bit, at least in the multiplayer option. But I want something in canon, you know, gameplay in a story mode with with dogfighting. I want that badly. Like Rogue Squadron. We used to have that on Nintendo 64 and... 
that was really fun. It was. It, it, I, I just, I want a game just like that, but using today's technology. It, I, I could just do that all day. All right, so that's it. Just a couple quick, quick hits there. Uh, so something a little meatier now. So last week, StarWars.com released an excerpt from the upcoming Thrawn Alliances book. And they they did they did it. You guys know that I'm not a huge Thrawn guy, but they finally got me to care enough about something with Thrawn in it that I will actually go out of my way to buy it. This book sounds really interesting. Still not much of an idea of what it's about, but the excerpt in one excerpt, we got Thrawn, Vader, Palpatine, Tarkin, the Death Star, Kanan, and the Phoenix Squad Rebels all mentioned. Like, color me intrigued, guys. Like, that is cool. Did, did you guys check out that ex- excerpt at all? Hell yeah. What'd you think? I didn't. <laughs> ah, let, me I know, thought... let, let me know, Corey. Oh, I was, I was just waiting to see if Carlos had read it there, but uh, I, I thought it was amazing. I think, you know, Palpatine, you just see him as a player again, you know, like, just doing his thing, like, kind of probing both of them. Like, he's got this awesome mission for them, but at the same time, like, a big takeaway for me was the fact that they kind of mentioned that like Thrawn is and Vader are like his two most valuable assets, like above Tarkin, he said Thrawn. So that makes accomplishments uh, in a certain series a lot more spectacular for me and so much better. Well, it's, I, I, I still don't know about the hierarchy in there because I know that in the, I think it was in Darth Vader. This is, it was a two-part arc, uh, number eleven and twelve, where um, Vader is feeling disrespected by by the Empire itself. People know that he's powerful, but they don't know that he has authority, and so he wants to because there's been a couple of assassination attempts on his life, um, and he knows it's from within the Empire itself. He's he's telling Palpatine like I'm I'm taking out a few of these guys. And Palpatine says, yeah, you can, yeah, go ahead. Take out some of these officers if you have to, but leave Tarkin. I need him. You can kill anybody else you want. And he just goes and just force chokes like five guys on the spot. Nice. It's got a thing for that, eh? He does. It's kind of weird. (laughs) But yeah, so I I don't, I don't know about the whole hierarchy thing. I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily hierarchy in the sense that Thrawn has more power than Tarkin. I think it's actually the opposite where Tarkin is above him uh, like from a from an officer's standpoint i think the way he says it it's in terms of usefulness like he's more his most valued asset along with vader yeah the emperor definitely appreciated um thrawn's talents but and something not that's... only that they and a big takeaway was when, uh, as well sorry is they mentioned bendu in in other words do they oh the creature yeah. the creature right yeah from the the his loss at Adalon yeah. on Adalon, where Vader's kind of like rubbing the wound with some salt there, and this supposed creature <laughs> in air quotes, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I do remember that. That was yep, yep, yep. But uh, an interesting thing is that uh, the planet of Batu was mentioned in that excerpt, which is going to be the name of the planet that they're building at Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland in Disney World. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Because I was under the impression the whole time that this planet, which, which I think was unnamed at the time, was just going to be this trading outpost. And it was going to kind of stand on its own. It, they might make it canon, but would, for the most part, never really be visited in canon. 
But now it's it is like it's going to be a planet with some significance, and they allude to that in in this excerpt. So, and I, I just yeah. it makes me think that maybe Thrawn is going to be around for a good while yet, and somehow might play some type of role in the visitor experience at at uh, Galaxy's Edge. What's interesting about it as well, like they don't necessarily state that the Emperor is aware of this fact, but both Vader and Thrawn, when he says the world Batu, and he's like, are you familiar with the world? Supposedly, I don't know where this actually comes from in canon, but Vader had disobeyed orders, or so it seems, and as well as Tarkin, uh, Thrawn, excuse me, both on, on that exact same planet in the past. So they're both kind of taken off guard by that when he says the word, word Batu, like you know of it. And they're both like, oh, that's kind of where we didn't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they interfered with Palpatine plans, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I think this in the Exeter says unknowingly interfered with Palpatine's plans. Still, it's got to give them the creeps. I mean, it's the Emperor, right? Sure. Like, what's he up to, that sneaky little bugger? Well, I mean, it's it's this is a planet positioned at the edge of like right on the edge of the unknown regions, right? So I, I have to imagine it's part of his his contingency or something to that effect, where he's 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 looking out into the great beyond of the unknown regions. We know we know all about Palpatine's fascination with that area. Something else they touch on, actually, in the the uh, the audiobook for the Last Jedi. So just another reason to go check that out. But cool, I am definitely down for Thrawn alliances. All right, moving on, guys. This this is going to be interesting. So Ryan, John, ooh, we lost somebody there. No, I'm here. Yeah, we must have lost. Uh, we lost Corey. let's hope he jumps back on so ryan johnson carlos he he won't let fan criticism of the last jedi influence his next trilogy but my question to you is is should he should should there be any room for well people really didn't like this so maybe i won't put that in should there be any any room for that kind of uh influence or should he just shut it all out and just stick to his guns i i look at it like i, I look at it like this um mo- a lot of the criticism th- there are there are some uh, uh legitimate criticisms of the movie that i think uh, we all need to uh you know take take uh seriously but there a lot of the criticism was for criticism's sake and um the worst thing anyone should do in that position is to seem like they're capitulating to children <laughs> <laughs> who are uh, putting putting a you know uh, or pulling a hissy fit because the first thing they're gonna do is 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 turn turn back and say you see we were right. And it's not fair to a, for a creator um, who who got the green light from the, the the whole company. Everybody loved that movie at Lucasfilm. So I don't. I I mean, why should Ryan Johnson capitulate to make people who are never gonna be happy happy? That's the way I look at it. If it was me, I might think differently. I'd never admit it. But 
I, I might think differently and maybe take a little bit more care, bounce the idea off a few more people before going ahead with it, but I'd never admit it. It's really so, bad form to admit that. Yeah, you know oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I tailored this to fan taste. Oof, that's not a good look. And it, you can, it, yeah. you, we can draw, this is, this is an easy one for us, but like we can draw all kinds of parallels to sports where fans are, are screaming out for change within an organization and a, a team can never give into that. Say, so, yeah, we fired that guy because the fans wanted it. Oh yeah, we're living through it right now in Montreal. It's it's uh, a lot of people. I mean, it's a lot of Twitter stuff, uh, and uh, a lot of it is being pushed forward by some members of the media. But you know, uh, on, on, in a good year, half the fan base wants to fire the coach. <laughs> so uh, you know, that's in a good year. Yeah, sure, so, uh, absolutely. You're never going to make everybody happy, so. You need to you need to listen. You need to hear what people are saying. You need to you know gauge the response from your paying customers, but never make it look like you're trying to make them happy. The goal should always be: uh, we signed this player because we love this player. We hope you love this player. Not we're signing him because the fans want us to re-sign this player, or we're hiring this coach because the fans want no. We're hiring this guy because we believe in him and we believe that you should believe in him. Believe. That, has to, that has to be the message or else you lose, you lose all credibility. You sure do. Corey, you back? I'm back. What happened to you? I don't know. My Wi-Fi just dropped off. Uh-oh. I'm telling you, man, this, this computer, for better lack of a term, it uh, craps to bed. <laughs> Phew. I'll save it. I'll save it. Uh, Corey, so where are you at on um, Ryan Johnson not letting fan criticism influence his next trilogy? Good thing, a bad thing? Should he adjust at all, whether he admits it or not? I just want to touch back one more thing I want to say about that Thrawn book. Do you think the outer regions, <laughs> sorry, man, or the unknown regions thing, do you think it could be Snoke? Is that the disturbance? Oh, very well could be. Absolutely. That that very well could be what we're getting at here. All right. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> My mistake. That's perfect, Corey, right there. Yeah. I had to get it off my chest. Come on. It's big asterisks around it. Gotta be Snoke. It could be the, yeah, they could be planting that seed finally. All right. Go back to Ryan Johnson. What, do you, what, what should he do? Should he just plow ahead with his own vision or should he adjust at all for fan, fan tolerances or preferences? No. I mean, if he, I mean, he's obviously pitched something to the company prior. It's not like they just said, well, that's not necessarily true. It looks like they just kind of give him the keys to to ride with it. Maybe he does have an idea in his head. I don't know. But if he has a vision and, you know, he wants to tell a story, like he said, like from his heart, that's what you kind of got to go with. You got to go with what you know. And in my opinion, I think he knows Star Wars very well. So, well, that, that's I don't one of the things to... I've gotten. A, sorry to interrupt, but that's one of the things I've gotten a kick out of in these last couple of months especially with, you know, I guess solely with the people who are upset with the movie are the ones saying that he doesn't understand Star Wars. Like, wh what? What is wrong with you? Like, of course he understands Star Wars, you twit. Ah. <laughs> no, but it makes, it makes, for the right reasons, it makes a lot of sense. Like, like he said it perfectly, you gotta follow your heart and that's, 
where a true story is going to flow from. That's not to say that in the interim, like if he, you know, if he does, if he's taking a break after the last Jedi, and then we'll start coming up with the story later on. But if he had a vision prior, then it's kind of a bit different. But he could take, uh, not necessarily ideas per se, but like uh, varying degrees of emotion within fandom, like what people do and do not like. Like, you know, maybe I, I just won't stoke this particular fire so much within the film. What if he snokes it? He's going to snoke it out. <laughs> well, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, Corey. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm on the same page. Like, Carlos, like you said, you can, you can never admit that, yes, I'm actually going to tailor this to the way that fans want it. That's, that's, that will never look good. That will never sound good. But even if you solicit fan opinions or if you survey what the criticisms are and you, and you take the, that feedback and even in broad strokes and you apply that to your, your new script, I still think you get a fairly lazy, predictable movie with, that has no guts. Like The Last Jedi had guts. You know, there, there was a pulse to that movie. And, you know, a lot of the criticisms spin from, you know, people thinking that certain characters are useless or they didn't earn certain accomplishments in the movie and and other other characters were completely assassinated you know i which i all three of which i completely vehemently disagree with but there was a pulse to the movie and i think if you if you ask fans like look at us before the movie started oh luke's going to come in with his lightsaber at the end and he's going to save the day how predictable and formulaic would that have been you know what i mean like yeah, we still would have liked to see it, but sure. uh, I think what they gave us was something that we didn't expect and could still love. Oh, man, did I love it. Because he did bring it, man. Yeah, he like, did. Freaking meditating on a rock and floating. Like, holy beep. <laughs> like, like half a galaxy away. Like, it's it's a, it was a crazy treatment of Luke. Absolutely nuts. And it it stunned me, and it still does. Like, right now, like, I... We're about to get the, the, the Blu-ray in a couple days here, and I am I cannot wait to watch that scene again. Like it's gonna blow me away again. And like what we just we're just talking about, like if they if Ryan Johnson had just followed what fans wanted and put that on screen, it might be a very entertaining movie with lightsabers everywhere and things blowing up left, right, and center. But I you know, the film won't mean anything. And then they at, you do that enough times and eventually before long, they get labeled as ca- uh, cash grabs. Yeah, exactly. And at a point, I think he kind of alluded to this as well in saying that, you know, the Star Wars is changing. Star Wars is moving forward. We, like, someone had to do it, kind of, you know what I mean? And un- not unfortunately, but he chose to write this amazing story that unfortunately a lot of people didn't necessarily like. But at a point, certain things had to be done. And he took care of those things in a really respectful way. But did they not really like it? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I don't even believe yeah, it. I, I, don't, I don't even go there. I don't, I don't even believe, like, half of it is like, I don't even believe it. Well, that, that's what kind of sucks to me uh, about the new, his new trilogy and why uh, I just feel it already. That there's going to be so much backlash to it. Like, people are so kind of closed-minded in that regard. Like, and uh, maybe I am too in my own way that... You know, once you don't like something from a certain director or actor, you kind of like you got that uh, that the, that feeling. The, you know, the well that, has been poisoned. Yeah, 
But people so are that's not necessarily ah, case. Star Wars fans are, you know what? Every time you, you run into somebody who's like, ah, I don't like that. The Last Jedi, it sucks. And you say, well, I'll see you opening night for episode nine. And they'll go, okay. Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Well, it's even like, Ryan Johnson said it too. He's like, he's like, you know, that Star Wars fans are so opinionated. Like, they're so passionate. And that's what's so awesome about them. I, you know, that it's a nice thing to say. But I, th- I think if you got him, you put a couple drinks in him, you get him behind closed doors. And what, what does that, what translate that for me, Ryan? What does that really mean? I think he's too much of a, of a diplomat to actually say what he, he thinks in that, um, you know, if you really put him to the, if you put him to the, he's not me. So he, he would, he would probably go, he's more like you, Kyle. He'll go about the right way to say it. And, um, if, if you actually put him to it, like after a couple of beers, I think he'd still be in control enough to be enough of a diplomat, not to crap all over Star Wars fans. (laughs) Whereas I don't need beer to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know what? I, I just, the Corey, you alluded to it. Like Star Wars is evolving and it's changing and it's, it's a thing that I was just talking about. Like it, it's, it has to move forward. It has to avoid the cash grab label. You know, it, it can't be mired in its own nostalgia forever. Like there's gotta It already be- has that. It, that's the worst part is that it already has that cash grab label. People are like, oh yeah, they're Disneyfying uh, Star Wars. And it's like, what, what does that even mean? Like, you know, one of the main characters assassinated his father. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't see Disney really, you know, at the helm, like, uh, you know, evil ploy. Uh, we're going to Mickey Mouse this thing. Like, they're, they're not doing it's, that. It's, that. That is a stupid, lazy talking point. People latch on to that because they think they can just blame Mickey Mouse. It's, it's, it's that, ridiculous. Disney stories are similar to Star Wars in a way. Like, it, that's all storytelling. Like, look at The Lion King. You know, it's the rise, the fall, the rise. You know, like, it's, that's the way it is. That's storytelling. Are you going to start like, singing now? <laughs> It's summer, Sir winter, Columbus. summer. <laughs> we're, we're into the lion guard now here, Carlos. Yeah. Hakuna Matata, man. Nice. It's yeah. A wonderful thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just to go back to the beginning, like Ryan's never going to admit that, yes, I, I kind of applied some fan feedback to this. Um, But you, you got to let a creative do his thing. Like Lucasfilm knows. I, I think everybody involved knew that this movie was going to polarize people. Yet they gave him a trilogy before the movie came out. And I wonder if that was not so much them. Like, I think maybe it was just them getting them getting out in front of it all. Like, cause imagine the movie drops and, and there's a very split fan base. And then they give him three more movies. At that point, it almost feels like a middle finger to a large group of fans. Whereas beforehand, it's just like, no, we, we enjoy we liked working with him. We appreciate his style and we think he's a very thoughtful filmmaker. That's he's a professional. That's, yeah, yeah. He's a pro. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a very good point, Kyle. In hindsight, like looking back on it, the way you just described it there, like that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah, otherwise you could really have interpreted it as Lucasfilm doesn't care about their fans. They just gave a guy that most of us, like, and that's another thing that the people who don't like the movie. They love speaking for everyone. Yes. They, they love, they love speak. Yeah presenting their opinion as fact and and saying that every every real star wars fans hated this movie which is which is as ridiculous as it gets all right so i guess we're in agreement 
Yeah, he should just Amen. do what uh, I, I trust his. Uh, I fully I trust, trust his him. opinion. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't hurt again to to keep your ear to the ground and your pulse on fandom as well. Oh, for sure. Because you don't you know you don't know if if you let's say you you uh, talk to Gary, the guy who cleans the the toilets at uh, Skywalker Ranch. Okay, like that guy might have an awesome idea, and maybe it's something that nobody's ever explored before. And it's like, holy crap, this could change Star Wars for the better. Like, you can't just say, oh no, well, it's not my idea, so I'm not gonna. Isn't that how politics works? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gary could still get credited, and even at that, it doesn't have to be like this huge plot point. It could be this little doohickey thingamabob or something, you know, like uh, some kind of device or maybe some kind of cool design for a ship, or maybe the ship does something different than the other ships, you know, like. Maybe yeah. any little small thing. Well, yeah, we also have to like be careful to to assume that Ryan Johnson locks himself in a room and he there's no input from anybody. Yeah, we don't know his process. That's correct. Like we know for the Last Jedi, he moved up to San Francisco for for what, like two months, six months or something, while he wrote Episode Eight, so that he could be at Lucasfilm talking to these guys all the time about his ideas and just back working things back and forth and refining it. This is a collaboration. Like it's ultimately Ryan's Ryan's vision, but he's getting feedback from a lot of people involved. So it's oh it, hell yeah! It's not him just sitting at a computer, you know, disconnected from the internet in a soundproof locked room. Yeah, like he's <laughs> there are other people involved here. Well, not only that, like you you guys both said it. Like he's a total pro. He he got the job done on budget, probably uh, on time. I think ahead of time. And the fact that, like, they just really enjoyed working with one another. And that's why you said, Kyle, they just had to get ahead of it before everything. Because, like you said, they knew it was going to be the divisive film. Sure. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think at the time we thought that. I think we both thought that, or we all thought that it was because the movie was so awesome. But, um, well, it was it, so awesome. but It was, but I mean... <laughs> the, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I'm not sure exactly if that's necessarily the reason now. But either way, I still trust his vision. Like, absolutely. And yeah. so again, it's something that is almost becoming broken record. I keep saying it, but it's something that I talked about with Rob Wade when we were on San Diego Sabers. But I, I, I want them to take those risks. Tell a big bold story. Take the risk. And if you if it stinks and it misses, well, then you get the situation we're in now where. A lot of fans are not happy, but I would yeah, but rather Rob... you do that than just say, well, this is, this is how you make a Star Wars movie. And it's got this, 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 and you just do the checklist. But R Rob's point was that they didn't go far enough. Was that basically in the end, we got a good versus bad story again. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, not to speak yeah. too much for Rob, but he wanted, he wanted more of that gray thing. Like yeah, the, exactly, the exactly. morally gray zone that DJ looked to be bringing into the fold. Which, just as they thought they were going to mix it in, he exited stage left. So maybe at some point they will let Ryan do more of that in his own trilogy, away from the Skywalker saga. Fine. Give it a shot. Take a swing for the fences. Just, you know, just keep evolving uh, the franchise. He's got a blank canvas, man. Yeah, well, and that's just it, too. Like, this is... This could be completely out of time. This could be in another galaxy or another a corner of the galaxy that we've not seen or know anything about. So and I'm really fascinated and interested in what he can do when he's completely unshackled from 
from the rules of this current set of, you know, eight movies, nine movies. So bring it on. The guy clearly has an eye for Star Wars. He's clearly a, a thoughtful st- storyteller. I'm all in. Let's let's get this on. All right. Um, lastly here, I, I hesitate to call this news because this, this is where we're at right now in the news cycles where we, we get all kinds of tidbits about, you know, behind the scenes stuff related to the Last Jedi Blu-ray release, which are cool. But we, we're not going to talk about those until we actually see the full thing. And then, you know, we're right ahead of the, the solo press tour kicking off. It's actually just kicked off this weekend. So Star Wars news sites are kind of scrambling and putting out news like this, which really has no grounding to it. It's just fluff, but we're going to, we're going to go with this and just see what spins out of this, this chat. Um, uh, I, I just want to mention something about that, Kyle, like you were saying, you know, the, the news this week is sparse than it was, but man, this is really like the, the true calm before the storm, man. I mean, with everything we know that on the horizon, like at one point we're totally going to be inundated. Like we're going to be like, ah, like, well, that's something Remember those I, I weeks think, where there was like we were scrounging for stories, man. I just can't keep up. It is something I want to talk do about it anymore. Re- remind me when we sit down to record Sith Disturbers. I want to. I do want to talk about that. So uh, I'll put a pin in that thought, and we'll we'll revisit that on Sith Disturbers. Um, yeah. So I mean, Donald Gleason had something to, to this effect uh, a couple weeks ago, where he said that uh, he he expected Episode Nine to go to unexpected places. But yet he said that not having seen the script and not knowing if he was even in the movie. So, you know, hmm. what kind of like, and that, that was like the news of the week, right? It's like Donald Gleason spoke on episode nine. Oh my God. And there's absolutely nothing to it. So that John Boyega has spoken and that he, he has said that episode nine is going to be all out war. Yet sort of the same story. He's yeah, not he seen the feels. script. Yeah, he he hasn't seen a script, and he's only just now gotten the alert from Lucasfilm to start training again to get into uh, filming shape. So, again, this is just his opinion on something he's not yet been exposed to. And again, and and this is where we're at. But we pretty much expect Episode Nine to be pretty much all at war anyway, right? Like, this is not a surprise. It's the no. battle to end all battles, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's at some point in the movie, whether it's going to be one big war from front to back, um, I don't know. But like, I, you know, I can see, I can see Ray as sort of like the the galaxy's number one most wanted. Like, this is the person who killed Snoke, right? I mean, she didn't, but Kylo said she did. That's the story. Yeah, that's the story. So, the, according to the First Order, Ray Ray should be right at the top of the list of of people wanted by the first orders they she killed the supreme leader kylo said so <laughs> um so yeah i mean this could be this could be a, a completely crazy movie but again we have nothing to go on but when we think about all out war we think about star fleets and like lightsabers all over the place but we don't have a fleet at least on the good the good guy side or do we like this is something yeah that- that's the thing and it gets a little bit touched on in in the audiobook but we in the movie we know that while they're in the the mine on crate they send out a call for help i think i think it was finn who's saying leia's got friends leia's got friends all over the place they'll answer but nobody answers and i've always had the question as to why like were they 
What do you guys think? Are they pinned down by the First Order or just too afraid to act out? I think they're too afraid to act out. They're reeling from the the Republic being decimated. Yeah, Starkiller wasn't that all that long ago. Plus, when you look at like a fight, it depends on your forces again. Like, If all these cells are all separated and coordinating attack against that much forces that were actually present at the planet at that time, like it's kind of like a suicide mission. Like, Why not just Got to regroup at a later point, at some uh, at some point, you know. Yeah, so that that the the non-response, we're kind of left questioning as to why. Is it because nobody cares about Leia anymore, or is it just because everybody's too afraid, frozen? Yeah. But we we got I think we got some context to that in the audiobook. Uh, it does it does tell us that Snap Wexley and Jess Pava, uh, they were sent off. So this is obviously between the times episode seven ends and eight starts, they are sent off to round up any surviving new Republic leaders. So there, there's how you can explain uh, their, their lack of being in the last Jedi. So for me, it seems almost like a foregone conclusion that part of that mission will fold into what we're talking about here. So I, I think snap and Jess Pava and whatever, whoever else is with them, might be able to round up some kind of fleet. And, you know, the other angle to this that I think might be cool, and it's it, part of it is in honoring Leia, is that the people that do respond, those will all be people that are loyal to Leia. So that when this, you know, inevitably when the First Order dies and the new government rises again, it's all going to be people loyal to Leia. And so you'll you'll have a new government set up emulating what she believed in instead of the crappy government that re- replaced uh, the empire after after return of the jedi which i think is a it's just one of the many ways they're gonna have to pay tribute to leia in episode nine but uh, what do you guys think i'm just gonna let you go with this because there's absolutely no structure to, to this talking point this topic here well I'll, i want to see boyega train like super hard it'd be pretty cool to see a time jump within the film i think that makes the most sense at this point from where we've been going First order or uh, the resistance, the rebellion. I don't know anymore. They need rebellion. to re- they need to regroup. Uh, hopefully, Snap did gather some ships, and you know, if it's two years, three years, maybe even five years, you know, like I'll go as high as just just as high as five. I don't think it'll do any more than that. But uh, in that time span, you know, if they're if they play their cards right, they can build a respectable resistance. So, and considering. Uh... Well, the dreadnought was destroyed. The supremacy was destroyed. Uh, the, the the first order took a hit itself. So I don't. Uh, maybe they're gonna have to like slow their roll a bit on uh, hunting down and trying to assassinate uh, or uh, to wipe out the rest of the resistance. I think everybody's gonna go back and lick their wounds for a while before the action starts to pick up again. Or who knows? Um, maybe Ky- Kylo's just an an idiot and like expends all their resources like doing. St- stupid things and they're just always the rebellions always like one step ahead of them no i think uh, kylo's gonna go back and i mean i don't ha- i mean have no basis on this except for uh you know just logic uh that that exists in my own mind that he'll go and and try to bring back the knights of ren uh to build up uh an army that is loyal to him because there is a little bit of friction there with him and uh, genital hux and 
we could say that here, right? Yeah. Sure. So, <laughs> and uh, I lost my train of thought, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, they're going to go back, like I said, and uh, we'll, we'll catch them. Um, not uh, how can I say it? I just pulled a Corey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I just uh, I don't see uh I see it like escalating into all out war at a certain point, but I don't think one is going to be more uh, well off than the other. They're both going to be like ragtag a little bit. That's why I see it. I don't know. Maybe uh I, I guess don't it know. depends on on how many dreadnoughts the first order has. I think I think it's safe to say they had one star killer. But how many and I, I also think it's safe to say they had one supremacy. Yeah, yeah. But they, well, what I, I mean, like supremacy, it'd be stupid to have supremacy one, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually, now that I think about it, I think it was mentioned that it's only it's the one and only mega class star destroyer. So there's that. Um, but maybe I maybe they have. I think that you can read into Poe's line like we have a chance to take down a dreadnought. These things are fleet killers. So I think he pluralized it, meaning there's there's more than one of them. Hmm. Perhaps, yeah. How many? I don't know. I can't imagine that there's too many of these things. Um. Yeah, there's got this is, there's I, I, the the big battle's got to be at the end though, right? Like I can imagine the the middle of the movie. There's always like a a, a mid movie climax, uh, and that's maybe where they deal with the Knights of Ren. Because I gotta I gotta believe they're back in the mix as well. So maybe that's where. Um. I don't know. Maybe Ray takes them out. Cause I, 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 I almost think I can almost see where Kylo dispatches the Knights of Ren, whether individually or in pairs and almost uses them like probe droids. It says, go find, like get out there and go find her. And then eventually they do. And they, tr- they track her down and they try to face her and she, she kills all of them. Like how cool would that be? Or what if she turns one or two of them. That'd be uh, pretty sick too. Yeah, yeah, I guess that'd be kind of cool. That'd be an uh, interesting interesting angle to, to explore. How can you get can you guys see this? You know how Finn's kind of been like uh I don't know, he kind of he was a little more naive and stuff in the first and the Force Awakens. Then he's trying to he's starting to take this like leadership role within the resistance and the rebellion and he's like uh, Rose kind of shows him what he how people are perceiving him, which kind of changes him. And if there is some kind of significant time jump, we know how small the rebellion is now. And he does take this significant role as this hero. Uh, see, it is a couple of years down the road. Can you see him as this like no mess around, like, like commanding officer guy, like this war machine, you know, with like a almost like with a cigar in the mouth, like training soldiers. What did you say to me, son? Like, no, I don't. I don't see him going that far. I think he's still going to be Finn, but he's part of his deal with in the in the Last Jedi is him finding his cause to believe in because he still wants to run. He just all through the TFA, he just wants to run. When he wakes up in Episode Eight, he wants to find Rey and run. And his whole motivation through the whole movie until the very end is find Rey and let's get out of here. And that's that's where Rose's importance comes in. It's like she's sort of like the angel on one shoulder and DJ is the devil on the other. 
And he's saying, ah, ah, run, don't join, get out of here. And she's saying, no, like, stay and fight, you jerk. Live free. <laughs> and it's it's that tug of war on on Finn, right? It's, it's, it's indulging in the luxury that he was so enamored with on Canto Bite and not joining and just living free. And that's DJ. That's that's him pulling Finn in that direction. And there's Rose pulling him back in the other. So by the end, we know where he's at. He's he's ready to fight. Not just to escape with Ray, but he's ready to throw down he's, with the Yeah, resistance. he's ready to die too. He's ready to die for the resistance. He wasn't ready to die for Ray there. It was it was for the resistance. So I I don't know if Corey to go to your point. I don't know that I see him like the uh Lee Ermey character say, in Full Metal Jacket. I wouldn't say like a mean type, but like definitely serious. Oh really yeah, really serious I, military style. When it's when the time's called for, you know, behind the scenes, you know, when you're at ease, totally cool dude. But when it's time to snap up to shape, like he's bringing some of his uh, first order training with him. Yeah, the first order training is is more something that I, I could I can get behind. Uh, I don't see him, uh, you know. Looking like uh, Abraham from Walking Dead with a cigar, and uh... <laughs> I miss him. <clears throat> yeah, I just got emotional there. And uh, yeah, no, but uh, it would be cool. I think uh, the first order training thing, like, it might kick in, and uh, maybe he's, he's gonna. I, I, I personally think that he'll be a general. Well, I said, I mean, at this point, there's so few of them left. Like every, everyone on the Falcon, it's like almost like drawing names from, from the hat. Like, I'm an admiral. <laughs> You're a general. Uh, commander Finn. I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say he's, he's going to be a commander. Well, we should, major. Uh, what about major? We should put money on. Um, we should do like a little. Um, a little like pool a Super Bowl as to what ranks, yeah. What ranks are these guys all going to have? Like, is it going to be? Are we going to walk into episode nine with General Dameron? I would pretty much say yes. I think that's a given. Or Admiral Dameron. Because mm. that's. I mean, that's the role, right? That's kind of. There was like a very clear passing of the torch there, where Leia says, "Don't look at me." Like she's clearly saying, "Follow that guy's lead." And uh, Admiral Haldo's gone, so they're they're gonna need somebody to to take her place, and somebody who yeah, learns gone. learn the lesson, yeah, uh, firsthand. You know, like uh, of, of what uh, what what it takes to sacrifice. You know, all that putting stuff. A, put it, put it, putting aside the bravado. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you know, uh, taking the the last flashy route to victory. Yeah, and that and that was his arc in this movie is putting aside the machismo, getting put, getting knocked down a couple of of rungs on the on the ladder, and learning your place. And he's he's done that. And it's I, a valuable I, lesson for him right now at this point of everything. Mm-hmm. And he's still, despite his his errors in the Last Jedi, he's still my favorite character in the movie. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. He had a, lo- a really interesting arc. Um, all right. That's, uh, are we done with that? Or is there any more you guys want to say? Um, no, I'm good. I just want to see a time jump, man. I want to see things shaking up. I want to see what they can do with what they got. Yeah, I think, I, how, I, I'm, I think they're going to jump you, ahead a couple, a couple years. How about Ray? You think she's pulling rank or, you know, Luke did 
back in his rebellion days. I think she kind of stands like adjacent to. I don't know if she, she's going to get any designated rank. And it's again, like are, are they going to put everybody, keep everybody together? Are we going to walk into episode nine with everybody together? Because usually there's a couple different places to hit on, right? True, but like you can establish the fact if it is in the future that you know they've already established their base and uh, say Finn and Ray are running a mission or Poe's on a mission and the other two are back at base talking to each other, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess anything's possible, but I, I am more on board now with the time jump. I used to think there would be a very small one, but I'm thinking now like two, three years is probably yeah, where it, where they go. That makes sense to me. It just gives with, with, it just gives them some breathing room to deal with Leia. Yeah, I think that's the 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 big big point. Uh, like, let alone the fact that it actually could help to tell the story. Uh, it gives them an out, and yeah, uh, yeah they kind of have to deal with that. So, and like, okay, in, okay. in the third, like in the tertiary material as well, novels, comics, it lets them, it can if there's some sort of big lead up to that they can do that in those in those novels and comics. All right. Done with Boyega's non-comments. <laughs> there you go, guys. <laughs> we just did half an hour on non-comments. <laughs> Boyega. All right. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some binary sunset talk. Evening chaps, hope everyone is well. Okay, so we all know the fantastic Ralph McQuarrie and his wonderful uh, artwork that he did for the original trilogy. But with hindsight, which scenes from the later films would you really like to have seen a Ralph McQuarrie uh, interpretation? So... Have a think about that. Have a great show and I look forward to listening. Take care. Bye. All right, guys, there goes ads. Ads, thank you, sir. Great question from ads again this week about uh, about Ralph McQuarrie. How can we ever... We, we, we've not really spoken about Ralph McQuarrie a whole ton on this show. Let's, let's change that a little bit right here. So, guys, in hindsight, Carlos, I'll turn to you first. I'll let Corey have a snack over there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which of uh, among the the new <clears throat> the new movies uh, that we've seen so far? Uh, what would you like to see Macquarie's take on? Uh, <sighs> it, it's tough to answer, right? Because I feel like everybody's trying a little bit to be Macquarie in their own way. Like they're every like his shadow is so big over Star Wars. They're just they're so aware of the aesthetic that he designed. So they try to emulate that in many ways. Like his, his initial designs, um, like half of the stuff that wasn't used originally came back and was reused in the prequels. And, uh, I, I think I'm getting that right. Uh, like some of the droids and, and other ideas for, um, for some of the aliens. Yeah. Stuff, uh, a lot of stuff came back and, you know, tweaked a little bit, but, or, or turned into this, but yeah, he, like he's his his he's always present. I feel like yeah, Rogue it, One was all was almost all Macquarie, or heavily yeah, that's inspired a, by. That's a that's a good uh, that's a good call up, especially considering it leads right into uh, A New Hope, and um, there there were like previous 
uh, drawings of like K2. Uh, and um, there's another droid that I'm remembering that was originally meant to be 3PO, but they ended up changing it. Anyways, um, it, it's escaping my mind right now, but um, I think his fingerprints are everywhere, but I don't know exactly out of the blue just to pull out okay i want to see macquarie's fingerprints on this project or that pro i don't know i mean in reality i aren't they going to be everywhere because they they already are everywhere pretty much it's it's the 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 the, the basis of the world that we see was created by him so i think there's there's this continuity you have to have continuity in that galaxy so we're kind of going to get it anyways no, I don't know. I, I, just, I know what you fine. mean. I know what you mean. It's almost like everything that we've seen is all is half Macquarie anyway. And not to discredit the artists who have put their own you know, blood, sweat, and tears into the work. But like I said, like everybody is kind of using uh, Macquarie's art as, as a bit of a springboard or a template, right? Like kind of, kind yeah. of. Corey, do you, do you uh, do you have any thoughts? You know, it's funny you ask. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I do have pretty much the exact same stuff written down here. Like it is his work is like the template for all stuff kind of moving forward. And people do emulate what he's done. Like I have the art of books. And when I look at a lot of them, like Macquarie, Macquarie, but it's really not. It's like I said, it's not to this, uh, not credit the artists for their awesome work, but everything's kind of, that's the, the platform where it all took uh, took place and it's kind of funny too when i was thinking about it i'm like man this is actually a really hard question like because everything is they did such a good job with the visuals that it it, it, it all seems macquarie inspired but if any film were to lead me to think that way at all it would be rogue one in the, the most and uh i don't know the mercy murder scene there's a lot of like <laughs> I don't know the the buildings and stuff. A lot of aliens could have saw a little more robots. <laughs> Are you talking about like the, the 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 environment of Ring of Kafreen? You would have wanted to see his take on that. Exactly stuff like that, like just landscapes of the city again with Jedha as well. I mean, but it, everything really looks very similar to I think what he would have done anyhow. Um, I don't know, even the Yadu on Yadu, the platform, I think that could have been cool. That seems pretty Macquarie-esque, the cliff there and all that. And yeah, well, espe even... especially with something like the Empire. And you can you can advance that to the First Order, where they're so similar. And he he re he created like such a a template, to steal Carlos's word, such a template for that that look. Like the little pill-shaped lights and everything just threads its way through, and you can't get away from it. So yeah, he he is present in everything, which does make this a challenging question. But well, I you gotta love ads. Like he just comes, hey guys, hey lads, I drop a bomb, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <clears throat> that's why we love ads. His ability to tie us up in knots in a quick question. Uh, I'm uh, my answer is Acto. I don't mm. I don't know that he ever really touched that before. 
So I would have, I would love to have seen what he would do uh, with the first, the first Jedi Temple, that first world. Like I don't it's a, know, it's a good if, shout, actually. I don't know that Lucas ever really fleshed it out back then. I mean, I guess he didn't, or we we already have seen some of it already. I could be wrong. There's a lot of Macquarie Star Wars books out there, and some of them are just ridiculous. Like there, there's that. Uh, it's a two book set. It's like it's a couple hundred bucks easy, but it's it's incredible. That's uh, there could be some acto type stuff in there, uh, but I I would love to see what he would do there. Cause I, I are you guys like what do you think of acto? Is it, did it surprise you the way the first Jedi Temple appears, or did you expect something a little more sophisticated? Uh, I think of um, I, I I like to think of. Indiana Jones and the uh, the Last Crusades. When you think about temples and stuff, and like how how they they could be lost in time, uh, and that that that's you know the 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 scene of the the city of Petra, and the temple being carved out of the rock. Yeah, I think it's there's something like special about that. You know, like um, is it what I would have imagined? No, but that's probably what makes it good. Is that you know. My dumbass didn't think of it. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think it's cool that it, it came from a from a place like that, a place where um, you literally had to make a pilgrimage um, to climb the stairs to get to it. You know, like when we think of people, uh, you know, climbing the the oratory stairs on their knees. There's like there's like a it, it can't be an easy journey. You know, like it's like the the path to enlightenment. Uh, you know, you don't get it uh, by opening up a bag of chips. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the path to enlightenment is something is is a hard journey, and and when it's the journey itself is actually literal for that first temple, I think they're 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 calling onto that. You know, I don't know. I just uh, I, I loved that it's not something that I would have initially thought, but uh, it it's so fitting. No, you kind of put into words a little bit more because, yeah, the, the, what we see from The Last Jedi and the world of Acto and what's left of the Jedi Temple, it's so stripped down. It's so bare. And it, it kind of lines up with what I feel like the Jedi were when they were a, a, a simpler group. And it, it is in stark. It's, it's almost completely opposite the prequel era Jedi. And I think that's that's very, very intentional. Like, it just shows how off the course they were when they lived in this gilded palace that had every technological amenity known to mankind. Yeah, and when you look at, you look at, uh, you know, uh, St. Peter's now, uh, the Vatican in Rome where everything's gilded and and then you go back to, like, Michael Skellig, which was an early Christian temple. I mean, it's, it's the perfect correlation to see of how it started and how it, you know, evolved the, the the trip that, you know, the Jedi took kind of, you know, applauding and lauding themselves over uh, millennia to become, you know, these guys who wear funky robes and like, you know, they're not wearing pointy hats, but I mean, Chiari Mundi kind of like <laughs> the cone head. He kind of has a Pope hat there happening. Well, it's it's true though, because you know, at some point they moved on from from Act Two, Act Two, and at some point they settled on Jeddah, 
which maybe I I think you can make a very close connection between Jeddah and City of Petra. I think that's kind of where it all lines up. And then they like, yeah, I would say yeah. And then they left Jeddah at some point, maybe you know a thousand years prior to uh, the prequel era, like that magic one thousand year mark seems to be where a lot of things happen. Uh, and and they jumped over to Coruscant after the war against the Sith and took over that temple. And they just seem they just seem to get really fat on Coruscant, enjoying uh, life in the big city, so to speak. Mm. Back to Act Two or Acto, whatever. I. I still want to re- like. I hope the novelization you you had a chance to to listen to it, you guys. Um, just Luke saying that it's the hardest, one of the hardest places to find in the galaxy. Like, I just want to know why and why did he cho- chose? Why did he choose to go there in particular? You know what I mean? Like, if he was giving up the Jedi ways because again, it was he knew it was so hard to find. And if that is the case, why? Uh, but on the Macquarie thing, I'm on the same page as you, Kyle, too. Like. The temple, all that stuff, totally would love to have had his take on that. But in particular, Bradley's uh, dark side blowhole. <laughs> I think that would have been a that would have been cool to see as well. Because I have a really hard time again. Like I thought about this question, and I was like, the ones that kept popping into my head were like Rogue One, like the ones I mentioned, and Mustafar from Rogue One, and then Acto was pretty much one of the only ones that I came up with here. And the only one I have for the Force Awakens is. Uh, Star Killer. In particular, I think when Han and uh, Finn see Ray like climbing after she's escaped. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Let's loophole it, Corey. I'm surprised you haven't gone here already. Um, like I'd get, I'd I'd pay a lot of money for a concept art book from Rebels. Indeed. You know, and, and we know that they definitely pulled Ralph McQuarrie at a like crazy for that that's true just because of the era but still i i would still like to see a whole lot of uh, ideas and iterations that that they did on that show like why isn't there an art of rebels hmm that's a good question we need we need to we need to see that book at least i do come on pablo we know you're listening (laughs) and kyle once again you prove that you're a better man than me that I, I brought up the whole the city of Petra thing and had no like inkling to actually like join it together with Jeddah, but it's perfect. It's it's exactly what I would have imagined. Uh, you know, if my brain was functioning properly, I would have made that link. But you did. So well, uh, it, it took both of us. I mean, I needed like it when you put it that way, I was like, yeah, that like that kind of crystallizes it for me. Like there's something mythical and lived in about that that uh, temple from uh, Indiana Jones 3 right like it's, there's something very historical about that place and i i think about jedi and all we we didn't see a ton of jedi temple stuff in that movie we actually didn't see any of it except from the outside no but you see kind of the 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 statues the carved jedi that are have fallen over and it's like that i didn't even make that link in my own mind but that was so cool was, to me. That was so well Lord done. of the Rings. Well, the grandeur of okay, it. Cool. Sure. Yeah, it was neat, man. I was like, no way. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. That that comment sort of linked those two styles together. 
and that's I mean, maybe I expected more of that look from from Act Two, but it's it's again it, that was sort of uh, deconstructing the Jedi even further, and so we, we you, I guess there's we see a very clear evolution of the Jedi going from very minimalist monks and then moving up to Jedha and they're a little bit more sophisticated and then over to Coruscant where they've completely lost their way. Now, granted, there, there, there is the fact that we haven't seen Octu in its prime. Yes. And there's a lot of it that, you know, could have crumbled or, you know, uh, regrowth could have taken over. Uh, we don't know what type of uh, altars were in that, uh, the room where there's the, the prime Jedi in that pool. So we don't know exactly. We're just seeing the remnants of that first temple. So, um, yeah, know. the only thing we can add to that is that the caretakers, ever since, like for for all time, have been there, upkeeping the temples. So did they keep them the way the last group of Jedi who were there left them? Meaning that's that was it. This is the way they've always looked. But I, I tend to agree. Like there had to be some differences. There had to be something to that place before uh before you know before the jedi took off and why did they take off that's i guess that's a question for another time uh ads did we round about your question <laughs> well enough there sir one day we're gonna have to rope ads in and just we're gonna ask him questions <laughs> like, a, like a firing squad oh yeah ads what about this <laughs> Oh man, uh, I I would also just quickly throw in the the Sith Temple on Malakor from Rebels. I would I would love to see Macquarie's take on that as well. Ooh, you're right there, but that was still so well done, you know. And it, yeah, but what we get it doesn't seem that far out of line with what he would have delivered anyway. Just to bring it all back to the beginning of of this question, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Uh, all right, there you go. Ads, thank you, sir. Good question. Did I hear seagulls in the background of Ads' question? Were you at the beach, Ads? Was this was this a, a beach Ads edition? <laughs> I need to know. All right, let's uh, let's check in with Bradley now. This is a classic Bradley banter, so settle in. Bradley's going to tell a little story, and then we're going to pick up on that. Hey guys, Bradley here with this week's Star Wars question. So, um, I believe earlier in the week I mentioned on Twitter, uh, Star Wars Karens, and um, if you're not familiar with that term, basically uh, Karens are stones, uh, stacks of stones or rocks. Uh, Typically you find them along trails, pathways, um, you know, that kind of help you uh, find your way, uh, guide you in a sense, and basically they're markers or highlights. that kind of help you along your journey and so I thought it'd be kind of neat for me to kind of give you uh, my highlights um, moments if you will in my Star Wars uh, life so let me go through these real quickly um, the first one um, probably probably everyone's first one is actually seeing the movie for the first time and so my first one was um, seeing Star Wars uh, in 1977, two weeks after it had opened, and my mom taking me to go see it. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two would be um, that I can recall is seeing Vader and Boba Fett at the mall. Uh, you know, 
that whole uh, process of waiting in line and seeing them up ahead and just getting so nervous and exciting, uh, excited all at the same time, uh, getting to see the villains um, in the second movie. Um, so that's number two. Um, three is reading The Empire Strikes Back, the giant comic book um, that I've mentioned before uh, in, in some previous episodes. Um, you know, that whole process of uh, going to my, a family reunion and reading the comic book with my cousin and us, uh, you know, finding out for the first time um, who Luke's father is and, uh, you know, not believing what we're reading. Um, and so that would, that would be one. Um, another one is seeing Star Wars in the theaters again when, when it was uh, re-released in 81 and 82. Um, I can vividly, vividly uh, remember those moments. And just, there's nothing like seeing Star Wars in the movie theater. Um, there's just, you know, the VHS tapes, even though we all, you know, wore those out and, uh, you know, really learned all the the uh, ins and outs of the movie and, and little details of the movie. There's there's just something to be said about seeing it actually in the movie theater. And so uh, those are huge moments for me. Um, another one is standing in line um, to see The Return of the Jedi um, in my baseball uniform. My parents had dropped me off and uh, stood in this long line waiting to see it. And, um, you know, I can remember... Uh, a younger, well, he was a young man, but he was a little, he's probably a year or two older than me. He had snuck into the movie and had seen um, the very end of Return of the Jedi. And I can just remember him getting back in line and uh, telling his buddies, you know, all about the Emperor and the lightning and, and, and all of that. And just, you know, it was just getting, uh, you know, me more excited about seeing it for the first time. Um... Another one is uh, going to the comic shops and memorabilia shops um, in the mid-90s with my girlfriend, now wife, um, and just her patience with me to want to go to the comic book shops and look, you know, buy comics, buy posters, um, hunting down trading cards, you know, uh, figures, uh, memorabilia, you know stuff and uh you know just the just that kind of time in a way to uh bond in a way with star wars um so that's a huge one um the next is actually going to uh the opening night of the special edition uh movies that came out um i believe it was 97 and if i if my memory serves me correctly i think it was February, March, April. I think they came out like, uh, you know, one month apart. Um, but I can remember, what I do remember is, you know, just the the crowds and the excitement. Um, you know, we're going to get to see all these movies in the theater again. And we're going to have new scenes to look at. You know, a new revision of George's, uh, you know, what his vision of Star Wars was. So those were exciting. Um, Next is going to be uh, opening night um, of uh, each one of the prequels. And uh, at the time, uh, my wife was 
able to go with me. And so I had a buddy of mine, Mike, who uh, we went to each one of these opening night at 12 o'clock. And just the buzz, um, especially leading up to the Phantom Menace, I mean, it had been so long since, you know, Return of the Jedi had come out. And the buildup and the hype for this movie was just so huge and over the top. And, um, you know, just the moments before, uh, you know, everything came on, it was just so exciting, so electric. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And nothing will ever come close to um, the excitement of uh, the anticipation of a movie like The Phantom Menace. Um, but each one of those, you know, for one, two, and three, each one of those nights, um, and just the, the electricity, the excitement of a new Star Wars movie coming out is huge for me. Um, next is actually getting to show my daughters um, all the Star Wars movies for the first time. Um, they didn't see any of those, uh, the, the first six in the movie theaters, and so they got to see those um, at home and just, uh, you know, opening them up to this, this other world um, that we've all grown to love and just seeing their excitement and, um, you know, getting to share, uh, you know, my childhood uh, with them in a sense. Uh, next would be, after that, would probably be um, uh, The Force Awakens and actually uh, getting to take them to see a, movie, a Star Wars movie in the theater and just having my whole family there, having friends there, um, is you know was a huge ex- ex- uh, excitement and privilege uh, along with Rogue One and The Last Jedi um, as well and I'll kind of end it with this the, I guess the the last milestone or highlight is just um, you know uh, getting to um, socialize with people all around the world through uh, podcasts through social media and um, you know, just getting to uh, share my love for Star Wars and, and getting to see and listen to others' love of Star Wars. Um, and that that whole scene has just been um, so positive in my life. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't run into people that are, or follow people or listen to people that are, um, you know, really negative uh, in a sense. I've kind of, I guess I pick and choose who who I interact with and who I follow and socialize with, and it's just it's all positive. Um, and you know, I really I really have enjoyed that over the last few years, getting to uh, you know talk to, uh, like I said before, people all around the world. Something that I never thought I would do, and get the privilege to do, and so. Um, that's been uh, a huge uh, uh, positive highlight in my Star Wars life. So there's a quick rundown um, of all uh, the highlights in my life as, as it uh, relates to Star Wars. And I'm kind of interested uh, in what y'all's highlights are and uh, look forward to hearing those. So uh, have a great week and may the Force be with you always. Bye. All right, Bradley. Thank you, man. That was awesome. So, guys, w- what is really interesting about this, and I've never really mentioned this to anybody before because it's 
there's never been a point. Like we're still not anywhere near that. But this exact question, this whole the whole story that Bradley told, it's the exact premise for uh, how should we call it? Like volume two of worthy of recognition. So once I've gone through the rounds of the powerful friends, asking about the you know the names and faces of Star Wars, to go back around to it would be like the markers. Like Bradley calls them the Cairns, but the markers in your Star Wars journey, like the the four biggest ones. So it's amazing to me that this is going to be sort of like uh, episode zero of Worthy Recognition Volume 2. So you you guys are honored to be here, right? Loophole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I don't know if we need to put every single one. Otherwise, we might be here till two in the morning, which I do not want. Uh, but Corey. You and I are probably going to overlap. So in those cases, I'll just, let's just go. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of them. <laughs> sure. So go ahead. What is your, what is your first signpost in your Star Wars Trek? Well, you know, Kyle. We're <laughs> 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 actually Bradley. Um, there is nothing like Star Wars in theater. Like, honestly, like you were lucky enough to have seen it in theater live 77 uh, 78 actually if you were to listen properly either way sorry well, did, did, I, think he, I think he said two weeks after it opened in 77 he did? I think so okay well now <laughs> anyhow like uh, we got a chance to grow up with it we've talked about it on the pod on so many different occasions like all of them in, but not at the same time so Kyle and I I think I was about four years old saw a new hope at our cousins I still remember it uh empire as well we saw our parents friends i was scared on my mind i i couldn't even watch the ending once it was the luke vader hallway scene i was like i am out came back down probably a little later um return of the jedi i was at home remember my dad was on business and i was like i can't believe this movie's out in theater uh out in the video store like walking around the video store in the 80s was like the coolest thing ever like just perusing the aisles like over and over like the way your eyes scanned as a kid and like, what are these crazy movies with the, the cover art back from the eighties? Like, so like we saw Jedi was finally out or whatever. And Ewoks, big memory, uh, THX huge. Come on. Like Kyle and I remember us freaking out for just the THX re-release. Then the, the re-release special editions in theater. That was the first time we actually got to see the, the original trilogy in theater. Uh, I guess after that, well, the force awakened, uh, uh, the Phantom Menace, sorry. I'm on the same page as Bradley. Like, I can't remember exactly when you and I found out Kyle. I don't, I can't say I remember what year they actually announced. Like the prequels are going down. It's happening. It was 93. Like, we kind of, 93, eh? Yeah. It so was, that it was kind in of the aftermath of Jurassic Park, I think. Cause like Lucas had said, that's it. That we can finally do what I wanted to, what I want to do. So, uh, here we go. Sunset, like that, that was my first year of high school. So, man, I'm telling you, like, Star Wars pretty much consume behind the scenes. You know, I had a few, maybe like one or two friends at school that we could actually talk Star Wars. And, you know, Kyle and I, a couple other friends, you know, like just behind the scenes, just buying stuff and buying stuff wherever we were, garage sales, like toy shopping. It just kind of consumed a lot of that time period. So, the culmination was uh, I was 18 years old from like, so like, first year of high school to like 18 years old becoming an adult it was such a change uh, it was fever pitch so yeah that consumed me man 
And then after that, I think Disney 2012, the announcement, that was huge because it was the year my son was born. And I was just like kind of thinking about the correlation between the two. Like, when am I going to watch the movie when The Force Awakens when it first comes out? Like, what my son's going to be like? And just that growth since has been pretty amazing. And I mean, every movie since The Last Jedi, Rogue One, like I've seen them all with you guys in theater. Those are huge markers for me. I'll never forget them. I mean, the Calamari bet. Uh, <laughs> Force Awakens. I thought I was gonna. F- sorry, <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. Though honestly, like <laughs> I thought I was having a major panic attack, like badly. Like I almost, I almost spilled the beans to like someone. Like you know how guys are. They cramp up and like I taken. I've taken like uh, like medical classes or like first responders classes, and that's the first instinct for a human is to like if you think something's wrong with you, like if you think you're actually having a heart attack you'll probably go hide in the bathroom. Like you're going to get up and excuse yourself and go away from the room. Like that's like 90% of people will do something like that. And I was right on, right on that page, man. I'm like, ah, Star Wars, I can't like, I can't give in. Like, and I remember I drank like a liter of cola in like two minutes. Like I was like, this will cool me down. Like, I don't know what's going on, man. So it, it was very odd. But uh, yeah, every movie experience has been great with you guys. So yeah, that was that. <laughs> There you go. Corey's uh, Star Wars journey in a nutshell. Carlos, can you top that? I don't want to try to top it. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, for me, for me. <laughs> Jake's the only beer. Um, I would say my, the, my first marker, I had already watched um, the movies previously at um, one of my uncle's house. He had all, all three um on vhs or beta I'm, i don't remember exactly what he had um but the first marker i had was the jerry lewis telephone uh, one of those years in the 80s um they were actually playing return of the jedi uh, as part of their telephone to raise money for children for sick kids and uh, i remember it going to commercial uh, from between Jedi and and you know Jerry Lewis with the phone banks, and then you know they do that spiel five ten minutes and then back into the movie, and that that, that for me was like I, I I remember where I was at my grand my grandparents' house and it just it's one of the, those like if we're talking about like Cairns or or signposts this was like the welcome to Las Vegas sign neon. <laughs> this, that was the first one for me. And I was like, Oh, so cool. I get to watch star Wars on TV. Yeah. It's your first and, step into uh, a larger world. Yeah. But I would already seen them. It was just like, I had never really rewatched movies uh, that I had I'd previously seen before. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the first of uh, the thousands of movies that, that I've watched over the time and, and uh, rewatched. So that was the biggest of the first one. The next one would be probably when I got um, the original trilogy on VHS from Columbia house. And uh, we would, uh, my friend Jeff actually would, would come over and we'd, uh, we'd do the four, five, six sequential, you know, I had a TV in my room, VCR in my room, and we would just like chill and watch Star Wars and just talk about um, uh, what would be so cool, episode one, two, and three, and 
you know, seven, eight, and nine, and you know, all the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the speculation, and I think the news had just come out that uh, George was gonna start writing the script for episode one, which I think he did. It actually it was 1995 when he actually started writing the script. Uh, I saw that in a documentary, and yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, then uh, the next one would be probably uh, watching um, uh, A New Hope uh, from the special releases, um, one each month. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was January, February, and March. Each movie came out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, yeah, and that's it. Then when uh, when... Episode one came out. Uh, I uh, waited to watch it uh, on a tru- uh, Cheapy Tuesday. Oh, boy. Uh, the, the, ne- the next Tuesday. Because um, that's when all my friends wanted to go. So I, I didn't want to go watch a movie alone. And then when episode two came out, I watched it on the first uh, weekend. I think it was a Saturday night. And by the time episode three came out, I was at the first showing, midnight showing at the Colossus in Laval. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, man, we were, the lineup went out side around the building and if you guys know where it is near the cosmodome that's a it's a huge building yeah, it's big and uh, oh man people were dressed up it was uh it was uh, freaking awesome and it had to the, the movie had to start at 1201 uh, couldn't start before yeah. not like now where we watch yep. it at seven or at nine and um yeah so it was really i remember going just driving home and just being like well that's it we're not getting any more yeah, I'll never forget that night either, man. Revenge of the Sith. Kyle and I went we went to the same theater, uh, the Kirkland Coliseum, the one we usually frequent now, Carlos, with you. Like, I, uh, leaving the theater, I think there was like seven theaters open for the midnight showing. So the movie in and of itself, I think we, the theater closed. We left the theater. It was like three. Then you chat for a bit. But the, it was gridlock in the parking lot. Like, everyone just, whatever. I remember just and it was cold people. too. Like I remember, it was like it was like nippy at night. Like, and we had gotten there probably an hour or two before, and you know we had just like a if if you had brought a windbreaker or something, you know, like it was warm during the day, but at night it got pretty cold. And I remember just being like shivering, like <laughs> uh, standing outside, and before we got in the car to to take off, and yeah, man, it was uh, it was I don't I wouldn't say gridlock. Uh, uh, where, where I was, but um, I got home before probably around four four thirty, and I couldn't believe what I had seen, and it was like a, a sad moment too, and kind of like a, a okay, goodbye, sure. uh, yeah, goodbye. Like I don't need to think about or you know what what they're gonna do and how they're gonna do this and how they're gonna do that, and then seven years later, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> Disney acquires Lucasfilm and. And uh, I would say the, the biggest one was probably um, how I got introduced to uh, to, to uh, Tumbling Saber uh, on Twitter. And like, holy crap, Kyle started a podcast about Star Wars. I freaking love Star Wars. And we just got to talking. And uh, yeah, that's it's like a whole new, whole new direction, I guess. Uh, yeah. So you guys are definitely uh, one of the signposts. You have to say that too. I have 2016 uh, was the year I joined Twitter and just this pod and met so many amazing people since. It's it's amazing. 
Yeah, that's been, that's been a big, big part of it, I guess, in recent years. But yeah, I mean, mine overlaps with Corey's in a lot of ways. Like our first viewing, we had that together in, in mid-80s, I guess. Um, and then, of course, you just watch those those VHS tapes over and over and over. They just imprint so quickly on, on a young kid's mind. And then the THX versions of, of 94 or 95, whatever it was. Uh, then And then, like, everything kind of blurs together. It's like, say, from the special editions until The Phantom Menace. That's only, like, a two-year stretch. But, man, there's there was a lot of stuff in there. There was the special editions, like we said. So those are... That's definitely a signpost to that three-month three month stretch. Because that, that was the first time that I got to see any of these movies on the big screen. And it was just, it was so long overdue. Um, and then... Uh, we had two Star Wars conventions in Montreal. They were non-Lucasfilm sanctioned, but they were still... It was you know, two uh, a weekend of all Star Wars. And it was absolutely crazy for me because I, I went to both of them by myself. So there was one at in January of 99 and then one in November of 99. And it was really, really weird because the first one of, in January, of course, you can imagine was you know, everybody's still freaking out over... Uh, the Phantom Menace, which had yet to come. And then, of course, after, like, the, the reception to it was sort of lukewarm. And so the, the con had a, the second con had a bit of a, uh, a, a dulled edge to it. It wasn't as jubilant as I would have expected. Like, I still had a great time at both. Uh, but I, I will never forget that. Like, we had two cons in the same year in Montreal for Star Wars. It was great. And I got to meet all kinds of, of Star Wars alum. All that, that whole time was just crazy. Uh, I, I'll skip Attack of the Clones. And the, I guess the next one is Revenge of the Sith, simply because it was what, what we thought was going to be the end. And then, of course, you jump ahead seven years later. The Disney purchase, which just completely altered... Uh, what I was doing with my free time at at that point, I was still sports blogging. Um, and this news of Star Wars coming back to life just just stomped it like an ad at just crushed it and blew it away. And it took me a while. I mean, obviously, I only really fired up the podcast right before TFA came out, but it was a slow build to that. And you know, the, the Disney purchase, the online fandom bit, uh, podcasting, and doing this with with you guys and meeting all kinds of people have just been, it's been incredible. And, you know, seeing, seeing TFA, like I remember sitting in the theater going like, we're back on in the saddle. Like it's, it's amazing. And this is never going away again. Now that Disney has this, no way this is going anywhere. So at the same time, it's like, it's like your baby. I think that's probably one of the, the issues I had too, is that so much time had passed and it's like, here we go again. I'm sitting back in the saddle for a new trilogy please don't disappoint me in a way you know what i mean like it's like you i don't know you you defend it to the to the bitter end you know so it's, it's it's almost like it's almost like you help make it in a way so it's like don't be bad i know what you mean yeah you can, yeah fans kind of lord over it again like sports it's like your team can do no wrong and it's kind of like that a little bit for me with Star Wars. Like, I, I there are still things about Star Wars that, you know, I, I, I could live without. But this is, it's, it's one thing that 
you know, 99.9% of the time, like, satisfies. Like, I'm, I'm almost, I'm very rarely disappointed by Star Wars, as opposed to, you know, like, watching sports, like, it's, it's, that's like, it's almost like torture. Sometimes it just you just feel like you're you're never going to be pleased with it, but Star Wars always comes through. And all of these memories, like virtually every Star Wars related memory, is is a great one. I have one that is is not so good, but it's almost a, it's morphed into a funny story now. And I've told it before on the pod, but yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Those that's the, a, that's that's total Seinfeld material right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Do I know you? Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the big markers for me. It's it's been. I mean, the last twenty years have been pretty crazy when you think about it. From you know, from the time the special editions came out up to now, like it's 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 been really nuts. Anyway, Bradley. Great question, man. Like you just totally reading my mind. I was, I was a bit slack jawed when uh, listening to this going, man, like Bradley is, is going to force me to do a preview of Worthy Recognition Part 2. But I think it was well worth it. It gives people a long time to think about about uh, what their Star Wars signposts are. And I, we, we cheated because we threw out like <laughs> eight or nine each and people are going to have to boil it down to four. But hey, it's all for charity, right? <laughs> well, won't somebody exactly. think of the children? <laughs> Please, <laughs> somebody think of the children. I sound like my mother-in-law. <laughs> All right, Bradley. Thank you, sir. That was great, man. Okay, uh, on to Katie. Katie's back with her long, unending line of of favorite moments from. So let's check in with Katie. She says. Hey guys, question for this week is what is your favorite clone moment? So this could feature Rex, Cody, Django, or Boba, or any other clone. My favorite has to be the Domino Squad arc in Clone Wars. Watching them form and grow from cadets to commanders was awesome. I loved every episode they were in, and I cried when they all got picked off one by one, with Fives being the saddest death of all. Domino Squad is the reason why I love Clone Wars era and clones so much. They made them so great. Anyway, thanks, guys. Thank you, Katie. Great question this week. Um, Corey, I'm going to hesitate to hand you the reins first because you're probably just going to take all of our options off the table from the... <laughs> Carlos. Oh. Yes, sir. Do you have any favorite clone arcs? I don't, actually. Uh... <laughs> Corey. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, I I gotta agree with with uh, Katie right off the bat. Like Domino Squad, it stood out to me in a way because, uh, you know, we got ninety nine, so cool. Like just you know pulls on the heartstrings. I, I think I can name almost the whole crew. There's like Cut Up, uh, Echo, Heavy, uh, <laughs> Fives, crew, huh? Fives, Five. Well, that's pretty much almost all of them. Yeah, you're close. Don't ask me to fill in the gaps. I can't do it. By the way, like that, that was a great arc. And again, I remember seeing that on television because at the time I wasn't really following the Clone Wars on television. Like I was catching episodes every now and again, like I wasn't following it, but now I own it and I've watched a couple episodes 
more than once and this was definitely an arc that i would definitely watch more than once and it definitely got to me uh, another one let's from the rebels perspective uh the lost commanders where we find gregor and wolf yeah i was kind of cool them again yeah and the last battle as well where dave filoni tried his best kind of to tie it all up and you know the last battle of the clone wars kind of you know like rex was kind of like he looked like he was experiencing some kind of like post-traumatic syndrome there like he wanted to get this battle done and over with like he needed to get that out of his system which is kind of sad um we all need that cory we all needed that battle it's true <laughs> poor man it, it is true you're right so i'm glad he had a chance to kind of get that out of his system um i guess lastly the, the darkness of umbera the the general uh, yeah, krell, krell. Mm. so that was really cool like basically a lot of like questioning authority amongst the the clones and loyalty and brotherhood and in the end like you know they're they're basically yeah it was it was pit against each other it was it was doing your duty versus doing what you think is right and it yeah. was like these programmed people who were like wait a minute this this isn't adding up like i know we're supposed to listen to what he says but uh he's he's not right in the head yeah it's suicide and in the end he has them pitted against each other like they're fighting in the fog they find out that they're they're killing one another like it's it's crazy yeah it was that was that was really really good uh, i'm going with fives a story where he where he discovers the control uh, the control chip inside each clone's head because he is it, is it tup that uh, assassinated one of the um master tipley or tiplar which one did he kill Oof, you're asking i don't know <laughs> One of those two, or uh, was it with those two? I think so. Anyway, he kills one of them, and uh, it, it was like a malfunction control chip that it, it triggered Order sixty six early, right? So then, uh, Fives is like, "What? What the hell's that about?" And he he starts investigating and discovers that all clones have a chip in their head for some reason, and he he gets a little closer to the truth. By the time he has enough evidence, you know, he's being hunted by the Jedi and Palpatine's lackeys because it's it's this clone on the loose and he's sort of a he's become wanted. And he but he's got pretty much everything he needs to expose Palpatine's grand plan and he's so close and the whole thing is just is just that close to blowing up in Palpatine's face. Like imagine. Can you imagine if that if the evidence had gotten back into into Jedi possession? Like that, that changes everything, right? Yep. And you know, it's not going to work out for fives. I'm sure Palpatine had a backup plan, but it probably didn't involve Anakin because he, he was not ready. He, like Palpatine hadn't quite fully sunk his fangs into him yet. So he wouldn't have had that ace up his sleeve, but man, it was so, so good. And fives finally gets it in the end. And it's like, ah, ah, oh, man, that was great. But yeah, that is, that is my favorite clone moment for sure. For me, it's a, it's actually it's a Rex, just seeing uh, how it, he comes around at the end in um, uh, in Rebels. Just like seeing him there, he fits like a glove in there. 
And he kind of reminds me of uh, Paul Sr. from Orange County Choppers. <laughs> ah, really? <laughs> Don't do that to me. You should be fabricating. Uh, that'd be more wolf. <laughs> no, I'm saying is the, the the stash, you know, that 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 epic stash. Um, but I mean, I, I'm just from the beginning, I just was not a fan of the clones. I don't like the way they, I don't like that. I know they turn and like commander Cody is like, we still got a battle to win. You, you, you forgot your lightsaber. <laughs> and then two seconds later is like, shoot him down. It's like, uh, yeah, the, 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 I have a, I, the only thing I really love is hearing uh, the hologram of Leia say, uh, you know, you served my father in the Clone Wars. It's like so cool. You know, they could have done such great things with it, but I understand why it went the way it did and it helped them eliminate the Jedi and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that they can it... retcon Rex. You, you spoke enough, man. Oh, can, I, can I talk? <laughs> have some more chips. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the fact that they can also like... Um, they can retcon him into uh, Endor, you know. I, I just like it. I just that's the one thing I like, you know. That they were actually able to. There were a few that were able to like stand aside, like you were saying before, with Wolf and Gregor, and yeah, because they they took Fives' advice, or they at least they absorbed um, the lesson of that story, and they they were three clones anyway that went and had that chip removed. Obviously, not many of them did, but. Uh, Rex was one of them, and I, I you know, I, I would love to see more on Siege of Mandalore. That would be super cool. That that might end up, you know, if, if we ever get to see that that fully realized, that would be a really cool thing to look at from Rex's perspective. Um, yeah, because that, that's you know that's right when Order sixty six goes down, but he's he's not part of it. He's with Ahsoka uh, on Mandalore, trying to liberate mm-hmm. that place. Taking on uh, Darth Maul. That would be really but cool. I, and did did you ever check out Bad Batch, Corey? Those unfinished Clone Wars episodes. No, not yet. That's pretty cool too. All right, but I want to. Oh, you, I, you, you have, more, you have more to add. All right, go for it. Well, just about what Carlos was saying about the the clones. You know, that's that's what's great about that series in a way is that you grow so close to some of these clones and. You respect them so much for what they do and what they serve and how they serve the Republic and how they they fight for their brothers, you know, and then to have them turn, like you said, in Revenge of the Sith, it's a hard thing to watch. And I think Kyle had mentioned something about this that uh, in the past that when they do turn, it's like they don't have a choice. It's like someone else is almost controlling their body, but their mind is still there. And like in the sense that it's saying like, oh, no, like I don't want to be doing this kind of but they don't really have a choice, which it's just so tragic, you know, like, cause you, like you grow attached to so many of them again. Yeah. Well, in the movies, if you just stick to the movies, I don't think you get that attachment They're, They don't do any of the individuality in the movies. Like they, some guys get names and that's about it, but you can't really get attached to any of these clones just based on the films, right? Like it, it was, if you didn't watch clone wars, it's, I think it's tough. No, for sure. Uh, but Katie, that's that's a fabulous question. Thank you very much. All right, let's close Katie, things up. Katie's my uh, Katie's my like um, 
She's my uh, sister from another mister. <laughs> if you want to call it, like we're, we're, we're into the same type of stuff and her questions are always awesome. And um, we, we both like uh, Blind Wave and Walking Dead. Yeah, walking when she, she they 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 they, she, they give her shout outs all the time and I just uh, it's like yeah you rock Katie. Katie is a rock star. Thank you, Katie, for the great question this week and looking forward to next week's. Now we'll close things out with the metal Mando. He's got a voice clip again this week for us. So let's take a listen. Hey guys, what's up? Jeff here again from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. My memory for this week is. I'm going to keep it Last Jedi. And I think for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to keep it right there because it's just fresh in my brain and been watching that thing over and over again. Can't get enough of it. Just gets better and better every time I see it. But what I want to touch upon is the whole Kylo Ren situation. So we see him, a uh, finger on the trigger, could possibly take his mother out on that, that starship there that she's on and, uh, he does not, and you can see that, you know, compassion, sadness on his face, you know, the love actually for his mother, you know, and unfortunately his wingmen uh, do the job, and what I want you guys to think about is, could the reason for her passing away maybe be the long-term effects of uh, her being blessed out in the space, or maybe um, they kind of mentioned this in the Revenge of the Sith, maybe, um, you know, uh, Amidala dying of a broken heart, um, you know, didn't have the will to live, I mean, could that kind of maybe play into Leia's death, you know, just knowing that how Luke said at the very end there that, you know, we couldn't save him, and, you know, almost like it was like, kind of saying, man, it's, it's over, there's just, there's just no coming back for him, you know, like, so I'm thinking maybe they might kind of play off that type of thing as far as her death is concerned in the next movie, and now I know what you guys thought about that, and maybe, you know, Kylo is, you know, just that kind of weighing on him so much throughout the next movie, and, uh, Kyle, I know you don't want me to mention this, but here it goes. I'm going to say it. Redemption arc. Yes, I said it. And what I want to mention here is these movies, you know, they're Disney movies. They're just made for, you know, kids and families and everyone just to enjoy. And I cannot for the life of me see them taking this character, Kylo Ren, that we just love. I mean, just built him up in this character that we just care so much about, whether you hate him, love him, you know, maybe because, you know, he's just so evil at some point, and, uh, but he just left such an impression on us as a character. And I just can't believe that they would take this character and make him just go out evil in the end. There has to be something that he does to redeem himself. Yes, Kyle, redeem himself for the greater good of the, uh, the Alliance, whatever they call it at the time, for the greater good of that galaxy far, far away. I just think that's something that's going to do deep down inside. And uh, maybe, you know, 
that might actually happen in the movie with a little bit of a kind of a push and shove maybe by a force ghost Anakin Caden Christensen style how much would we love to see that or maybe a little prodding from uh, you know that little angel slash devil kind of thing on Kyle's shoulder where Luke's kind of prodding him on saying hey kid you know you did this but you should have did that you know hey you know do the right thing you know like you said see you later kid maybe that's the way we see him later but i just would love to know what you guys thoughts are on like how they could actually end kylo's character you know as far as uh the very end of the movie whether i mean i just can't see him going out bad i just cannot see it guys so i want to know what you think about how this could possibly end scenario style i know it's all you know guessing here at this point but just something i'm always thinking about and uh love to hear your comments on what you think and for this week guys on the metal mando and i am out of here i can't wait to talk to you next week bye all right jeff thanks man uh so guys we spoke a lot last week about about uh the hypoxia and the radiation the, the whole outer space exposure thing with regards to leia last week I don't know if they're going to use part of that to, as reason to kill her off. Carlos, we we remember clearly how you felt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost want to like mix in a little, it's stupid clip from last <laughs> week's show. Um, stupid. Yeah. So I don't, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time there. I mean, I, I hope they don't make it the reason why she's not around. If they, I'm sure they can somehow mention it as, as I, I don't know. It, it crippled her. It did something to her to reduce her health or effectiveness. I don't know. But I don't want it to be the reason she eventually died. Um, But it leads into the bigger question of Kylo's redemption. And uh, intellectually, like, I know. And I know Jeff was in there tweaking me a little bit because I, I, <laughs> I'm not down with Kylo redemption. But, and intellectually, like, I know and I understand the value and significance of the last living Skywalker ending the Skywalker saga on a heroic note. You know, I totally get that. Like to have him just go down as an evildoer would would kind of be a downer. And I, I don't even know if that fully makes sense or if it, it pays respect to the uh you know the eight movies that came before it, the whole Skywalker name. But I, I also don't like the idea of redemption for another Skywalker who frankly in my mind doesn't deserve it right like to me again it's undeserved for that Vader has that that redemption and it's been explored and I that you know still a lot of people in the galaxy don't really uh, haven't forgiven him but it's also because like we've for me anyway we've seen that movie we've seen six movies dedicated to like the rise and fall and the redemption. So if I want to see that kind of story, I we've already got them. They're they're there and George Lucas did that story. And I I also have a very difficult time imagining how they're going to accomplish any potential Kylo turn, especially now with Leia gone, right? So now we have Kylo as top dog in the first order and there's going to be no Leia. At least if Leia was around and you could you could almost see where Kylo could latch onto his mom and say, I'm going to come back for her. 
There was inklings of that in episode eight where he couldn't quite kill her. And maybe that's the thing that eventually pulls him back. But she's gone. And we know he wants to kill everybody now. He's already... He's cemented that that desire to want to kill everybody. His mom included. Ray. All of it. He wants them all dead. Like, how many... Are we going to just go back on that now suddenly? It doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, I'll let you guys sort of chime in here. Corey, what, Kylo Redemption. What, what are we going to do with this? Um... <clears throat> I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it, like you said, it does make sense. You don't want to go out. This is the end of this saga. The Skywalkers kind of got to leave on that. Not a high note necessarily, but take it from a Christianity basis. I think Lucas has taken many, many, uh, plots from, uh, Christianity and put them in star Wars. And I think it's clearly stated in Christianity that even though, like, even if you've like, then pretty much really horrible things. If you're apps actually like absolutely truly sorry for your like what you've your done sins. on your deathbed. Yeah, you're you're cleansed of your sins, like in God's eyes. If you're in your heart, you're truly sorry. It's can't like you can't just be like, I'm sorry, like <laughs> want to get into heaven. Like you actually have to feel like the remorse. True. But maybe we don't know. We haven't seen the movie. We don't know what happens to Leia yet. Even though she's not there, that still might have an impact on where he is in the film or whatever is to become of him. So that's still a factor. That's a variable. It's still out there. Uh, maybe the first order grows beyond his control in a way. You know what I mean? Like they, then they come up with some cockamamie scheme to, to do something really stupid. Like that's going to like, I don't know, destroy everything or I don't know. Like I like, I like where you're going, Corey with that. Like it just gets out of his control and like, like, and it's up to him and Ray kind of to bring a balance at the end. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be like they team up or whatever, but like, you'd be like, you know, you don't like it, Kyle, but the, the sacrifice kind of at the end, like where he's like, I, I know what I need to do kind of now. And he just does what he needs to do. Like kind of like what he did with Snoke, but actually for the right reason this time. Like I, I see, I see it more in, in like if there is gonna be a, a Kylo redemption, and I'm I'm not saying that there should be, but if there is, a great way to do it would be if he pulled a Kanan, and uh, instead of pushing uh, people away from the blast and taking the brunt himself, where he actually uses the force to control the blast in an area and keep the really bad guys that let's say take over the first order and he sacrifices himself in that bubble to take the brunt of the blast. I, I, it's got to me, it's gotta be a little more epic than that. It's gotta be like something force related, like the way they touched hands and stuff like that. We know that there was a huge yeah, connection. But I just there. said that he's using the force. He's like containing the blast. <laughs> in the, no, but I'm in, talking about between the like, radius. I'm talking about like a balance of the force in a way, like, like the yin and the yang kind of coming together of something him and Ray need to do. I, I don't know, but on yeah. a really mystical he level, he shields Ray from the blast. He's using, he's, he's concentrating. He's making like a force bubble where there's an explosive device and he trapped all the guys from the first order or maybe the, uh, the Knights of Ren who, who are power hungry and, and he, he, you know, keeps himself in there blows them all up and Ray, he saves Ray. 
See, that, and that, but that's the thing. Like, I want to, I want to know how they're going to build that motivation into him at this point. Because where we stand today, he wants Ray dead. So how are they? No, gonna... right now he doesn't. He wants he wants Ray to join him. He no, doesn't want anymore. Ray dead. No, now he said I'll, I'll destroy her and and all of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he's he wants he's everybody talk, dead. Though. He was tough Dude. talking to Luke. I don't think he really means that he wants to get uh, he wants to kill her. Not only that, Luke told him straight up. Uh, like he didn't say I'll be uh, become more powerful than he can ever imagine, but he says uh, I'll be with you. Like always, imagine he like uh, it's like the tor- he torments him constantly. Yeah, he's like poking him. Yeah, and then- like, for- like he's he's forced ghosting. Kind of he's he's kind of like instead of communicating with Ray like he did in the Last Jedi, it's Luke just hanging over his shoulder and being like, "Are oh, you sure you want to do that? You trust him?" <laughs> like, just like well, driving him of- insane. Maybe he drives him crazy. Think about it from Kylo's perspective as well. Like. Put it this way, like Snoke's gone. Kylo is the supreme leader. Like in all his visions as a boy, uh, all the things that have been planted and how he's been worm tongue about how powerful he can be. Well, now he's there. And once he's there, maybe it's not all that grand for him. You know, maybe he's kind of alone still at the top all by himself. Kind of, you know, like no one gets Kylo. Poor Kylo. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's part of it, right? Like. He's the top dog. He, he seemingly has everything he wants, or at least the power to do what he wants now. Like, we know he wants to be bad, even though he's, he seems... I don't know if he's still fighting this light inside of him. It seems like he's, he's all madman dark now. So I, I don't understand the motivation to why he's going to come back. There's, like, I, can't, I struggle to find a reason as to why he's going to come back, considering we... Maybe he was tough talking, but it seems like he just wants everybody dead. So they have to really come up with a great way to suddenly have him do a switch where he's like, ah, you know what? Uh, this this bad thing is it's kind of boring. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they can really do that. It's, it's, again, especially with, with his mom actually being dead. Um, I, I find that bringing him back is going to be so much harder. Especially like now that Snoke is out, because at least with Snoke around, you could have always said, "Well, you know, uh, maybe Snoke is threatening Leia or going to do something to to his mom," and he he steps in and and sacrifices himself for Leia. That that would certainly be enough to to put him in the good books of some. But like, I, I we think... still don't know how Leia dies, though, Kyle. Like that's the thing. Like you you're you're kind of jumping the gun a bit here. Like her death can still have a major impact on him and she could still have an impact on him from beyond the grave. Maybe I suppose. I mean, I don't know that he's a, ah, I'm not going to get into the whole Sith can't see force ghosts, but uh, here's the loophole. Luke and Leia are twins. They have this special bond. Luke kind of is able to guide her in the right way. Well, it's it, it, it's not her ability to come back as a Force ghost so much as, as it is his ability to see one. The Sith apparently are, aren't able to see them. I don't know. Maybe they they scrapped that. I'm not sure. I, I'm I, I'm going to place my money on him doing something that can be viewed maybe as him turning back to the light. 
or or maybe it's simply a death scene where he he just admits that he was wrong to follow the path that he did and that he's sorry um but you know that that doesn't make him a hero that just makes him repentant and that you know finally kylo at the end of it all understands how wrong he was that's redemption kind of is it oh yeah I don't know what it is. It's it's seeking forgiveness. Mm, yeah, I don't know. That's that's really the same thing at all. But it's on. It's similar. It's of the same vein, anyhow. And I, I like where you're going there too. I would accept that. But I think maybe I don't it, think he's gonna get full honors Boy Scout. Like I think he's gonna have to pull like something huge to even just to barely slip by. You know what I mean? In that term, in those terms, yeah. Like again, if if Snoke were around, you know, you could you could almost draw the the parallel scene to uh, Return of the Jedi, where Snoke turn or Kylo turns on Snoke to save Rey, and maybe that would be enough. But again, we've seen that, and we're not. I don't think we're we can't get that. There's no more Snoke. Um, I don't know. I, I I maybe I'm I'm on board with with Kylo sort of admitting his faults. And saying he wished he had done things differently now that he's he's dying. Um, and then the the idea of Ray's compassion being the thing that makes it all better. Whereas like she like I, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before, like she buries Kylo or sees to it that his remains are kind of buried with his parents. And so like I think that would go a long way to sort of mend that whole rift. Yeah, redemption. If, if you saw like the little, the the, the, <laughs> the solo Organa family tomb, and they're all there together at the end, I, that might be a nice way to end it. But I just can't see Kylo suddenly becoming a hero. I don't know. It depends on the uh, who who's really the the antagonist. Right now, we think it's him, but we don't know. If there's uh, another Snoke apprentice, or if uh, Snoke transferred his consciousness to another another being, or anything of that nature, so we don't know exactly. Um, he might be like, "Wow, these guys are really crazy. Like, I wouldn't have done that." And I'm kind of like at a loss here. I can't. I I I, I can't take them out myself. Yeah, I mean, playing with that a little bit, like we know that Snoke has at least one other apprentice or had. There's no context given as to where or when that person existed. But let's say that that person enters the fray in episode nine and says, I'm coming after Kylo because he killed my master. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to step in for my master taking over the first order. He has that that brat has no right. So. Kylo taking on that guy and killing Snoke's other apprentice. Will that sympathize audiences to Kylo suddenly? Or is it, do we still see it as Kylo just fighting for his own selfish ends, preserving what he wants or to keep the power that he has? I don't know. It's all good questions. Stay tuned. 2019. (laughs) December, 2019. Yeah, I mean, just give me a good motivation for why Kylo suddenly wants to come back. Given what we know of, of this lunatic, the, the madman who's who wants all of it destroyed, all of it dead, 
who's sitting at the top throne. Uh, give me a good reason why he suddenly wants to, to turn good. I, 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 if you can do that, then I guess we have a redemption story, or at least you know, the bones of one. But right now, I just, I, I, I don't see why or how he's going to come back. I just, I, I, and again, this is going right back to the beginning of the show with talking about Ryan Johnson, and and writing something brave and bold. I can't see it, but a good writer, a cre a, a creative person like J.J. Abrams, maybe they can, and maybe they'll surprise us all. And maybe I'll love it, but it's my, already in the can. Well, it's it's written, that's for sure. So I mean, the the answer is out there. But um, yeah, I mean, right, I I just can't see it, and I I I hope to be surprised. All right, guys, if there, if there's nothing else to say there, I think I think we're all done. We did it. All right, high fives all around, guys. So ads, Bradley, Katie, and Jeff, thank you so much for this week's question. We got we got a lot of good mileage out of those this week. Thank you so much for that. All right, guys, uh, let's get out of here. It's uh, it's time to once again let everybody know that Sith Disturbers are back this week, and we're giving away that Jaina Solo figure. If you want to become a powerful friend before we give away that toy, uh, head over to Patreon.com/slash/TumblingSaber and become a powerful friend yourself, and uh, you will not regret it. I can I can safely say that. Join our ranks, become a powerful friend. We are approaching our first goal, um, and that's that's right there. So just a couple more people, and we're there. So be that guy, be a hero among the powerful friends at Patreon.com/slash/TumblingSaber. And also this week, if you are looking for some great content for your podcast listening pleasure, may I introduce you to the Star Wars Commonwealth? Go check it out at StarWarsCommonwealth.com or on Apple Podcasts as a podcast provider, and you will be treated to nine different shows who are doing superlative work. you got to check them out. And uh, finally, we got these two guys right here, Carlos and Corey. Guys, where can people find you on Twitter? Carlos. At C. Candido Music. Corey. CarlosCandidoMusic.com. <laughs> <laughs> Chop rules with a Z. Hang on. He's still like eating. the Homer Simpson of podcasting. Chop like... rules with a Z. <laughs> oh, man. The mad munchies. Gotta love it. And you can find me at Tumbling Saber all across the board on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Come say hi to us and come talk Star Wars. So that's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. And we'll catch you all in the next episode of the Tumbling Saber podcast. Thanks for listening. And bye for now.
watching you walking away.